The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Yo, yo, what up? Chris Sims unbuttoned today. Did a like extravaganza draft style joint collaboration with Roto World. Had Josh Norris, had Thor. He brought his big hammer. It was awesome. We got into all the draft stuff. And if you're tuning in to listen to my father, Big Phil, hey, this just in. He was busy today. He's big time. So he will be on Thursday's podcast that will be released Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, somewhere there. He's got some big take on the quarterbacks that he can't wait to tell me about. I don't know what it is, but he's making it sound like it's groundbreaking news. So tune in if you want to listen to The Big Fucker tomorrow. Hey everyone, Paul Burmeister. Welcome to the 2019 Roto World Mock Draft. Keeping very good company here to go through picks 1 through 32 of the upcoming NFL Draft. To my immediate left, the 97th overall pick of the 2003 Draft. <laughs> Doesn't have that good of a ring to it, 97, <laughs> but we'll take it. The only one here selected and of course the uh, co-host, uh, the main host of the wildly popular podcast. But you do help me a lot, so I am co-host. Thank you very much. Okay? You're yes. my man, so thank you, though. Thanks I know you're ready out. to roll here. We've, we've, we've talked draft quite a bit the last three or four weeks. Right. I've talked to draft quite a bit the last three or four years with Josh Norris. Uh, you know Josh as the draft analyst for Roto World and also for NBC Sports. You ready to roll here? I'm happy to be here. It feels like old times here with I you, know, Paul. I know, right? I'm excited. Yeah. I agree. I feel like we should have Ross Tucker sitting Something right here. Like maybe, that. maybe Chris Canty. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> In his place, Thor Nystrom. He is the lead college football writer for Rotor World. And now his presence, guys, means that half of the people up here, University of Iowa graduates. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yes. Wow. The esteemed writer's workshop he graduated from. The IQ from. of this table has gone down. But neither yes. one played tight end. How funny that is in this year's draft class. <laughs> there you go. There right. you go. Right. I would imagine we'll hear a couple of Iowa tight ends pop up here For sure. in the first no round. No so, about it. Mock draft, you know how it works. We're going 1 through 32. Chris is going to start out. Josh will follow. And then Thor will go after that. We'll do it all the way through 32. We should point out that this is how you think the draft will go, not how you think it should be. Picked, yeah, right? I'm going to play a little blend there. I okay. mean, if there are some picks there that, okay, we're hearing this team likes this player. I, I don't know. I, don't, I still don't know if I'll have the guts to pull the trigger. I'm going to say I'm hearing will. this, but I would pick this guy, <laughs> and I think I might do that. But either way, we're going to cover all our bases and at least give some good knowledge, I think, on all of these players. Uh, so that's, that's which is about the conversation. For sure. And obviously, everyone tunes into the draft because they have no idea what's going to happen. So we might project or predict predict uh, 32 picks in this draft, but we'll probably get, you know, five or six right. That's about it. And that would be good. Yes, that would be great. That's it? Five or six? (laughs) Yeah. 
I think we have a better chance than that. I thought we ordered the guy who was going to get 9 or 10 right. No. No? No. Didn't do that? All right. Before we get rolling here, for all the latest news and rumors leading up to the NFL draft and for analysis on every pick during the draft, you can check out rotoworld.com slash NFL news. And for the latest Chris Sims unbuttoned episodes, subscribe at youtube.com slash NBC sports or wherever you listen to your podcast. All right. We are ready to roll with the first overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals. So you get to be Steve Kime here. Oh. For at least a minute or two. Yes. I don't even need a minute or two. I'm ready. All right. The pick is in. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think this is a no-brainer. I don't think this is a shock to anybody. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. That's who's going number one. Did you give to the Arizona? To anybody else? Well, to me, there's only two other guys in the conversation for top player in the draft. I don't know how you guys feel about yeah. this, but I think it's a Quinn and Williams or Nick Bosa situation. Uh, I'll let you comment on that. Either way, I think Kyler Murray is the most talented quarterback of this draft. Uh, I think this will happen. I think this should happen. As well, you, you hire a, uh, an unproven NFL commodity in Cliff Kingsbury as your new head coach. You want to give him somebody that he feels comfortable with and feels that they can uh, take advantage of his offense best. And this is not an indictment on Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen's still going to be a starting quarterback for somebody and have a good career. I'm not. It's not about that. I just think Kyler Murray's a special player. He's got a really good arm. He's very good in the pocket. He's a good decision maker. He's accurate, and then his athleticism is up there with anybody we've ever seen as far as dual threat quarterbacks running. It's Michael Vick-ish. It's better than Lamar Jackson. Uh, they haven't announced that this is the guy right? because I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, but this is the guy. I think that I don't think anybody in the NFL is uh, thinking otherwise right now. And if we can spin this forward at all, this means that Josh Rosen will be hoping to find another team, right? And so, what could the Cardinals possibly get for Josh Rosen? What do you I, think? I would probably say it's a second round pick in 2019 and maybe a mid-round pick in 2020, Yeah, but as we go along, you know, one day you hear that the Giants are interested. The next day you hear that the Giants aren't interested. The same thing with Washington, right. one day versus the next. I, I do wonder if Steve Kime, the day of the draft, will reach out to all the teams that need a, a, a quarterback and say, hey, give me your best offer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose one immediately after we, we pick Kyler Murray, right. and boom, yeah. that's who he's going yeah, to. Yeah, I think the conversations will go something like that, maybe even a call before the draft just to get a feel right. for who even wants to have that conversation. I think it's an enormous mistake uh, to, to wow. get the dissenting opinion here. Yeah, yeah. You hired the fired Texas Tech coach. You're going to sell low on your first-round pick last year, who was not in a position to succeed. They didn't have a supporting cast around Agreed, him. Agreed, right. It's like, you know, Chauncey Billups when he struggled, um, you know, initially in the NBA, and then you tr- you sell low on him, and, of course, you know, he, he ends up being good. And then you're going to overdraft a player that's never existed before in the NFL and could leave for baseball again in three or four years if he is not, a, you know, at least an average starting NFL quarterback. If you were making this pick, then since you disagree, who would you take at number one? Oh, I'm going the trenches. Um, I'd go either Quinn and Josh Allen, Joey Bosa. I mean, throw a dart. Yeah. This is a transcendent defensive line class, and they have they have needs ever. I mean, you know, I have all these categories, and you know, I have the yeah. top three. You know, offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver, edge. They have all these needs, and then I have a don't need category. The Cardinals, quarterback and running back. Well, and, and one thing we quickly need to mention with them is their offensive line was horrific last yes, year. Yes, right? yeah. And at least Kyler Murray has that mobility that you and I always talk about, Chris, where he's not glued to the pocket like a Josh Rosen is. Yeah, no, I think that's the big thing. And for a guy, like we said, with Cliff Kingsbury, who is going to be tinkering with his offense, Kyler Murray gives him a little bit of a get-out-of-jail-for-free card, yep. right? Oh, okay, gosh, this wasn't good, but oh, there he goes, scrambling down the sidelines for 40 yards or getting outside the pocket and throwing a 50-yard bomb down the field. Again, 
it's not about Josh Rosen. I think you talked about, yes, it's like, a, what did you say, an unseen commodity in the NFL before? He's never existed before. Yeah, yeah, right. I know. Well, neither did Russell Wilson or Michael Vick or those guys, too. So, that you know, I think, I think again, when you talk about this guy and first picks and top five picks and first round picks, it's about elite traits. And not only is the guy an elite thrower, he is like a dangerous – he's Darren Sproles hmm. with an unbelievable arm running. I don't think there's ever been a better running quarterback to come in the league other than Michael Vick than Kyler Murray. And I, I think agree that's how that. dangerous he is. And that's just – that's why I say number one. But I understand your logic. I don't think it's totally crazy. Well, if it plays out yeah. this way, Josh, this is great news for the 49ers because uh, thinking of who they don't need, they don't need a quarterback. So right. they have their pick of every player in the draft not named Kyler Murray. It's amazing news for them. And I know that 49ers fans are probably sick of them drafting front four players or front five players. Yeah. Because we had Eric Armstead, you had DeForest Buckner, then you tr- traded up one pick to select Solomon Thomas, um, and then you trade for D4 this offseason. But the selection is Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. And he's very similar, obviously, to his brother and Joey Bosa. They win in the exact same way. But there are very few people in the NFL that you can ask to line up in one-on-one situations and potentially win every single one of their pass rushing reps. Mm-hmm. And Nick Bosa has that profile to him. And that's why you're going to see, as we go along this top 10, a lot of those interior guys and edge rushers um, are drafted so early on. But Nick Bosa's selection here for the 49ers. Do you have him rated higher than Quinn and Williams, or do you just think they need this position more? They need this position more because Solomon Thomas, I believe they drafted him to play on the edge. And, again, they drafted him, I believe, at number two overall. Yeah, it was. And he or just number is, three. They traded with Trubisky, correct. right? Trubisky got two. He went three. So then they weren't allowed to – or they weren't able to allow him to win on the edge. That's just not his style, right? Right. So he's much more of an interior disruptor. And so having a Nick Bosa complimenting D Ford on the other side with his three other DeForest Buckner arc arms in the interior, that's a really menacing front five you have. Yeah, I, I hear you there. I, I, uh, and, you know, to answer your question, I think Quinton Williams is the better player just slightly over Nick Bosa, at least like if I had my big board, he would be ahead of him. But I think the position need uh, is greater at the defensive end position. Yes, they've drafted three defensive tackles basically out of the last five drafts. And I just can't imagine them going that route once again. Plus, they play a Seattle defensive scheme. You know, they got a D forward on one side. We talked about the D tackles they got. Now you add another legit pass rusher on the other edge, and all of a sudden you go, holy cow, this 49ers defensive line is coming out of some waves here. And I think that's the, the great possibility the 49ers have if they get Bosa. Chris, I know you are tight with some people high up in the 49ers organization. Right. Yes. Um, but this is the season that's kind of make or break for them in mm-hmm. some ways, right? It's like, th- yes. Kyle Shanahan is a great play caller. Right. We all know that. Right. And sure, in 2017, they've traded for a quarterback halfway through the year and mm-hmm. went on a winning streak. Then 2018, he gets injured very early on. But like year three, you can't have really excuses anymore. None. Is this really kind of make or break for maybe the, the higher ups in that group? I, I mean, I, I think that uh, it's not like make or break totally to me where like, oh, if they don't make the playoffs, he gets fired. But yeah. I think if they don't show, you know, Marketing Mark, yeah, exactly right. If they don't show, okay, they're in the conversation by December and they're at least in that contention for wild card, whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, they're going to be really dealing with their bad perception, not only with their bosses and, and the 49ers organization, but the media and everything. So this is a big year for Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch. The defense was improved last year. You know, I know Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, but the defense was, what, 11th in football? Am I right about that? I'm right around there. That, but so th- they have things going in the right direction. They just need to stay healthy and then win some football games this year. 
Thor, we're not making it easy for you on your first pick. So we're here in Stamford, Connecticut, very close to a lot of Jets fans. Jets fans all over the building. They're a little anxious about the draft. They're not afraid to be vocal. So be careful with who you give the Jets here at three. You have made it easy for me. I'm going Josh Allen. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be – the decision would be Bosa or Allen. Um, and, of course, Bosa or Allen's probably going to go probably Bosa at number two. So Josh Allen's a very easy pick here. Um, guy that went back to school would have been a mid-round pick the year before if he'd come out – Goes back to Kentucky, gets bigger, keeps the athleticism. He's a guy that can do everything. You know, the, the Jets wanted to sign Anthony Barr, weren't able to get it done. Josh Allen is Anthony Barr plus. Josh Allen can do everything that Anthony Barr can do as an off-ball linebacker, and plus he is a transcendent edge-rushing talent. I, I, I think it's a slam-dunk pick. What's crazy about the Jets, and this sounds like hyperbole, they have not had a competent or good edge rusher in 15 years. Right. And 15 years is a very long time. <laughs> Who was that? John Abraham. Like, yeah. maybe you can throw in Calvin Pace here or there, but they've drafted on the interior a lot mm-hmm. with uh, Mo Wilkerson, with Leonard Williams, with yeah. Sheldon Richardson, right. but haven't had a solid edge presence in 15 years. And obviously Josh Allen would hopefully bring that to the table. Definitely, uh, listen, uh, uh, an intriguing prospect. I think this is the most one of the most overrated guys in all of the drafts. Uh, I don't think he's going to add much pass rush value in the NFL. I mean, we're talking about guys like Anthony Barr, Vic Beasley, who can't really play the position that they played in college and had to move to stand-up linebacker. And I think if we redrafted an Anthony Barr, he would no longer be a top-ten pick the way he's played now. He's still a really good player. Obviously, he got paid big money like that. I have worries about Josh Allen. I understand the need for, for a pass rusher for the New York Jets, but Josh Allen does not have great bend coming around the edge. I thought a number of his sacks were won in ways that are not going to be realistically won in the NFL. So I have my concerns there. I know he's a very versatile athlete, and there's certainly things I like. I just don't love him at number three. To me, there's things about his game that scare me, and uh, I let you know about a few of them. I, and I completely disagree. I mean, he beat a lot of NFL-esque or NFL in the NFL sure. now, SEC tackles. Um, and, you know, the one question had about his game you know coming into this year and this is what the NFL told him you know when he when he got the advice from the advisory board they said they wanted him to get bigger they said they wanted him to get more well-rounded and they wanted him to get better against the run and if you look at his PFF page his his run grade went from like in the 50s to in the 80s this year I mean just just improved tremendously um and you're, you're, you're getting the pass rusher, and he can also drop back in coverage. I mean, you probably wouldn't want him to do that, yeah. but he can do it all. I think that's what he's going to be drafted at, though. You guys said Anthony Barr. He's, he is going to be that kind of guy, I think. Deion more. Jordan. Yeah, or he's going to be. So I, he just worries me. And again, I know he played in the SEC, and that was really good. But the, one, the biggest worry I have about the guy, and it goes into a little bit to your point with the run game defense and all of that. You know, I know this even from my NFL friends. His ability to go speed to power does not exist. And the physicality of his game was the thing that you and I talked about on the podcast mm-hmm. that really bothered me. There is not there is a physical element that you need at that position to be successful. And I think he misses that. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, and I'll be the first one to admit it when it's all said and done. But I just have my concerns. And, yeah, that, that, that's all I'll say about, about Josh Allen. But certainly uh, an interesting prospect and a very good athlete at the very and, least. And let me just add, that was a huge yeah. concern of mine after last season, right? But then he comes back, and in 2018, I just thought he made an enormous leap in that specific facet yeah, of the game. Right. Josh, did you not hear what I said about Jets fans being nervous and you throw out Deion Jordan? <laughs> yeah. Just, well, like, you're going to float that Dwayne out Dwayne Robertson. In, in, terms, in terms of a dropped end, yeah. I think that that's where maybe Josh Allen is best. And I love the name that Thor brought up in, in Anthony Barr because they were going to sign him to play an edge-rushing role. And it might not be who's playing now for the Vikings, right. but maybe that's how they see Josh Allen in the NFL. All right, bringing us to the Oakland Raiders at four. And 
I, I think if it plays out this way and a certain player is available here at four, what? John Gruden and Mike Mayock would be very They're going to run into happy. cartwheels, I think. Uh, yes, Quinn and Williams to go to the, the Oakland Raiders at number four. Uh, I think that's a no-brainer. Um, and I think, the, the of course, yes, you, you said it. The, the Oakland Raiders would be just ecstatic to get this football player. Uh, I think if you made me rank them, this would be the best player in the draft. Uh, you've heard me say, as far as being in the evaluation process that I've been in since I retired in football, 2010 was my last season in the league. I've been a you know, football nerd watching film guys and all that. This is the best interior defense alignment film I've ever seen hmm. in my short career of doing mock drafts and talking draft and evaluating football players. I actually thought his film was more impressive than Aaron Donald coming out of college just because he is a little bit more of a power element or ability to anchor versus double teams and not get pushed around that way. But Quinnen Williams, there's really nothing, I don't know, if you guys see if there's anything negative about the player, please let me know. He can win with speed, he can win with power, he wins with quickness and just absolutely breaking the ankles, like almost crossover dribbles yeah. uh, and things smart like that too. against guards. And he's smart so too. Smart. And we did an interview with him. He's got a great way about him too. So he's driving up to see his grandmother on her birthday. Exactly. He's gonna, he was worried about buying her something yeah. before himself. So he's a stand-up just guy. 21 years of age when the NFL season starts. I mean, interior disruption can be king, right? And that's why the Raiders invested two mid-round, late-round picks in the position last year in P.J. Hall and Maurice Hurst yeah, out of Michigan. Right. And both of those are very talented players, but those types of talents don't keep you from taking a Quinn and Williams exactly. in the top five. Exactly right. It seems like there's one or two players a year, and I always keep track of what you guys say and what other people are, are saying about them in their analysis. And sometimes there are players where it's like I can't even bring up a negative it's because easy. it doesn't seem to be out there. I don't think there is one out there for this guy. It's, it's hard for me to find it. Hopefully it translates to success for him. We have him going to the Raiders at four. Bringing us to the Buccaneers at number five, Josh. I'm interested well, in this one. The Buccaneers would have loved to have Quinn Williams because this Gerald McCoy situation on the interior defensive line is a bit up in the air. Um, you know, there are some other talented interior defensive line in this class and an Ed Oliver, but I'm going to go as someone that can maybe captain this defense, that can really be a focal point of this defense moving forward, and that's LSU linebacker. Devin hmm. White. I mean, this is a team that lost Quan Alexander to the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, Levante David is there, but and they signed Deion Buchanan, but we know why Deion Buchanan is no longer in the Cardinals because he's kind of a liability in certain aspects of the game. But Devin White is one of the true sideline to sideline linebackers that come in and out of the draft. Right. And he is someone that at the second level, you know, if your linebackers are slow, your defense is slow. Yeah. And Devin White and Levante David might early on in their career with the Bucks turn into one of the best pairings, one of the best duos at the position in the NFL. And I, I have no doubt about the player. It's is this position at number five is that too high for someone who doesn't put pressure on the quarterback, who is a sideline-to-sideline side player instead of someone who is disrupting the pocket? I hear you, but like for how much the NFL is in nickel coverage now, mm -hmm. for how much linebackers are asked to do, and we just saw Roquan Smith go at pick number eight, which is a little bit later on. Yeah. But I, I think that just with Quinton Williams off the board, Devin White makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, 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 you, 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 you go ahead. You go ahead, Dory. I, I think he can blitz. Um, you know, he's a, he's a former linebacker. I think 4-4-2 speed. Um, really good at timing, and he's really good at picking his way through. You know, timing the gap and just knifing through there. He is. You know, they, they didn't use him as much as that, but I, I think he's 
he's really good. He's one of the better off-ball linebacker blitzers. And, you know, I think he can be leveraged more in that specific part of his game. Yeah. He's phenomenal. To all of Thor's point just from there, to get pressure, what we would call green dogs in the NFL, right? Like times like he's supposed to cover the back in coverage. Oh, the, the, the back is blocking. Now he gets the chance to go rush the quarterback. And his acceleration and explosion, Woo. I think quarterbacks <laughs> go, oh, he's not coming. And they look downfield and all of a sudden they go, boom, who the hell was that? And you go, yeah. oh, crap, it was the guy that I said wasn't coming. How the hell did he get here so fast? He is truly a special, explosive middle linebacker. To answer your question, I think he's better than Roquan Smith last year. Wow. And, uh, I, you know, and to what Josh says, the middle linebacker in this NFL right now you know, you got to stop the power run game. Yep. Uh, you got to be able to run sideline to sideline. Oh, here goes Tyree Kill on a speed sweep. You better go run him down. The wide receiver screen game, it's so wide open. You have to be so multiple at the linebacker position, covering tight ends down the seam, all of those things. And this kid has no weakness. And there truly is a massive drop off after that first tier of linebackers. We'll get to Devin Bush, I'm sure, in a little bit out of mm-hmm. Michigan. But it's Devin White, Devin Bush. And then everyone else. Right. So if you're invested and want an inside linebacker in this class, you're going to, right. have to take one early. And listen to the way you described him and what he could do. Made me think of a highlight I saw. I think of a show you guys did right here in the studio with Jalen Smith last year, chasing someone down from the middle all the way out to the sideline. Exactly I think right. on a wide receiver screen. Yes, it's part of the game. When he got the Odell Beckham Juniors and the Antonio Browns of the world, and then you got psycho offensive coordinators like a Freddie <laughs> Kitchen or a John Gruden who are going, how can I get this guy the ball all the time? Yes, you have to take that element into account especially too with hey the tight ends of the world it's not you know hey Gronkowski's out but you got to be able to Travis Kelsey's going down the seam and mm-hmm. he's going to see guys like OJ Howard in practice every day you know those type of guys where they can be end of the line blockers but also almost slot receivers you better have a linebacker that can run down the field with them and uh, scare a quarterback away from throwing at them every now and then we must believe in your mental toughness here because we're giving you the Jets <laughs> I get the Bills the Giants <laughs> and then the Giants so uh, a couple of difficult picks. he is Thor I mean, he's the king of some world I can't Asgard, remember. Right? Asgard. Asgard. He's got a big hammer, so he should, he can handle this. <laughs> and <laughs> and he's lived in Iowa City. Yeah. Oh, you right. left that out. I forgot about that. How could I? Be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Giants at six. Yeah, man. There's a lot of smoke around. There's a lot of mystery around this pick, right, guys? Um, listen, I'm not buying the smoke around this thing. I think they're going Haskins, and I, I might live to regret wow. this. Yeah. I, I at six. At six. Yeah. I, I you know again, there's been a lot of smoke, but I. I think that that might be out there to ensure that that Haskins gets there. Could be. Yeah, Interesting. Be. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't buy this thing about the the media created Dwayne Haskins. Watch Dwayne Haskins on film. The kid's great. I mean, but we have heard like this off season, last off season, that Dave Gettleman is in the camp of Eli Manning, yeah. and it's not just Dave Gettleman that's in the camp of Eli Manning. It's really the organization making these excuses for poor play of Eli Manning. I would agree with that. And. I just don't know how you could be sitting at, what, pick number two last year, pass on those quarterbacks, and then take one at pick number six yeah. this year, especially in a class. I think that's the reason why you have to. Well, especially in a class, though, where Dave Gettleman says, okay, I trust in my ability to build a roster around Eli Manning and then invest in interdefensive line, edge rushers, because we know he loves those hog mollies. Yeah, yeah hog mollies. That's right? one of his favorite phrases. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I think last year they wanted to take a quarterback. It was a weird year because Saquon Barkley was there, and he He's a type of running back that only comes out every so often. So I think they got, you know, enamored with that, which I understand because for my money, I'd already say Saquon Barkley is the best running back in football uh, after one year. But uh, to to, to Thor's point, 
Um, I hear you, Thor. I mean, I don't know where the Dwayne Haskins conversation went. He is a top 10 talent. I've said he's got a lot of Ben Roethlisberger in his game. I really like what he has. I think where, the, where he failed, uh, and you and I have talked about this, was his look at the combine. That's where he really – it's almost a litmus test in itself. And the fact that he was a little out of shape, uh, I don't think he blew people away in the meeting rooms. And then you cramp after 140, and the and teams go, wait, you had six weeks to get ready, ready for this, and you weren't ready. I think that's scary. Team. So I question whether the Giants would be one of those teams that get scared away because they are old and traditional, but he certainly fits the way they want to play football. Right. Northeast, throw the ball deep down the field, not going to be affected by you know the elements. There's a lot to like about Dwayne Haskins. And my last point about the New York Giants at number six would be this, just to differ on Josh. If you like a quarterback, and I don't care who it is, even if it's Daniel Jones, who I don't even think is a first-round quarterback, but if you like one, take him at number six and get it done with because you're flirting with a freaking disaster. I didn't say the F word, everybody. You might Uh, later. Yeah, I might. But you're flirting with disaster if you're going to wait at number 17 and think, oh, we'll get a Haskins there or a Drew Locke there. So I'm not angry with that. No, I'm totally with you. Like, If you love a quarterback and think he's a quality starter, he shoots the top of the board. In fact, like quarterback should be in a separate board than everyone else. Yep. I just it's tough for me to give Dave Gettleman as much credit as you're giving him. But isn't it odd that like it seems like every year leading into this one that we've sort of known what the Giants were going to do? Yeah. Well, we they've had issues. They, they have. Well, even you think about two years Leonard Floyd and Jay Conklin. They told everybody one. in the world that's who they're going to pick and everybody got in front of them and took mm-hmm. them because uh, I don't know how but it also, got out, but everybody not, knew it. That was not the Dave Gettleman situation. No, that was not Gettleman, to so, be fair. So you're he, right. he has been somewhat tight-lipped in the past. They yes. plugged the leagues this year. Yes, they sure did. did. And I, Yeah, they're, they're going to do something that people don't expect. And at this point, drafting Dwayne Haskins would be something that you don't expect. Yes, it would be. So that's two quarterbacks off the board. Wow. Giants going Dwayne Haskins <laughs> at six. Kyler Murray, number one, no surprise to Arizona. Back to you, Chris Sims, number seven, the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is where it gets to be an interesting draft a little bit. I think this is the first the first pick, really, I mean, where it can go different ways here. To me, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, it comes to maybe tackle or tight end here in this situation. Defense, forget about it. They don't need a defense. They already got the most talented defense in football as it is. It's a really, you know, wide receiver, oh, maybe, but there's nobody worth that at number seven. So uh, I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. Wow. Okay, I think that's going to be the pick there. I do. I think, first of all, this is Doug Marone. He wants to run the football. Okay, so he'd like to have a tight end that can also block in the run game. Hawkinson is very well-rounded in both. Tough as hell. And then, of course, is a big-time uh, threat down the field catching the football. Hawkinson ran 4-7 at the Combine, right, guys? That's right. Um, he plays much faster than that. I mean, he to me, if you just went off the film, I'd go, oh, this guy's like a high 4-5, low 4-6 guy, but a really well-rounded football player who I think is only going to get bigger and stronger, has a frame to grow into, yep. to where I think he is, you know, Travis Kelsey-ish mm. in his football game, and uh, I, I think this makes a lot of sense to help out of Nick Foles. And to your point, he is super athletic. He had an athletic yep. profile in the 85th percentile. Um, I think we've been spoiled a bit by tight ends in recent years, yeah. because prior to your George Kittles, your OJ Howards, a handful of others, um, Evan Ingram, we didn't see tight ends produce early on in their career. In fact, it's one of the slowest developing positions in the NFL. A lot of big names that are still good in the NFL were not productive until their second contracts and even their second team, Delaney Walker, Greg Olson. I can go down a a massive list. I would hear side with a a tackle like 
Jawan Taylor, because I think the biggest issue, the biggest issue to me for Nick Foles' transition from the Eagles to the Jaguars, other than Doug Pierce not calling plays, is the offensive line situation and his comfort in the pocket that he probably won't have in Jacksonville. Absolutely, but man, Hawkinson would be really fun for, of course. for Foles to play with. Of yeah, course. And I, I think that Hawkinson is a transcendent tight end prospect. Uh, best blocking college tight end that I've seen. Um, he's also an A-plus receiver. He was a better receiver than Noah Fant last year. They were on the same team. Hawkinson was featured from the jump. And to Chris's point, fabulously athletic. You know, um, I, I would see him hurdle the defensive backs. You know, they, they would try to do the Gronk thing where they'd cut his knees out from him. Yeah, right. Hawkinson will just take to the sky and jump mm-hmm. over right. him. Just a tremendous receiver, and he's a guy that came on so quickly this past season. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's a special player. I mean, he has a chance to be in the conversation for the best at the position two or three years down the road. And to what Josh is saying about the old line thing, too, I get where he's coming from. That's yeah. where my mind was, too. I just think they're going to go, we've got Andrew Norwell. we got Cam Robinson at left tackle, who was a second-round pick, right? they got a really good center, center in Brandon Linder, who's one of the better centers in the sport. Um, you know, they sign a guy like Cedric Obwehu, who once was a first-round pick, and it hasn't been pretty to this point. But I also got to go, Doug Marone's an offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to also look at it and go, I can coach some of these guys up and get a little bit more out of them than maybe the rest. That's just what I think about here. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if it went O-line either. All right. Thinking about offensive line, let's go to the Lions at eight. They, they've shown that they like offensive line high in the draft. And they could have anyone they want because there's not an O-lineman off the board yet. Yeah. So this is fun because, as you all hopefully can tell, we did not share what our picks were going to be prior to no, this. No, we did not. And so I was not expecting Mississippi State edge rusher Montez Sweat to be on the board. Mm. But he is the selection. I know that the Patriots contingent that's basically in Detroit now signed him to this massive contract. We can argue if it's too much money or if it's the right amount. But Trey Flowers is someone that is an outside-to-inside pass rusher, okay? The Lions, now without Ziggy Ansah on the team, have really needed someone to create uh, consistent disruption on the outside. And Montez Sweat is the type of pass rusher that you can line up on the outside as a fantastic run defender, but more importantly, has this ridiculous athleticism and long arm to win in one-on-one situations. He'll be more athletic than every single offensive tackle he faces in the NFL. Love this pick. Yeah, I mean, he's long, he is fast, 4-4 speed, and he's tremendous against the run, which is where, for me, he differentiates himself from Brian Burns. Um, All-around defensive end, uh, love the kid. Um, You know, for for the Lions sitting there, I mean, the dream scenario, I think, is either Sweat or Hawkinson gets down the board. Yeah. And... They got one here, right? Yeah, I know. That's I, I. Lions were one of the was one of the question marks for me in the top ten because you know even with Montez Sweat, agree with both you guys. The player is a baller, and I really don't even think we've seen the real Montez Sweat. To I me, agree. these type of guys flourish in the NFL when they get around other alpha males and they start to eat, live, and breathe football and learn and from got, their teammates. They got learn from their teammates. They're being coached all day long. There's no more twenty hour rule for college football. He sees a guy like Trey Flowers and he goes, "Damn, he's kind of freakish. I better get on my game." If I want to still be the head freak in the room right. or whatever it may be. All of that. Daniel Hunter, think about him. He came out of LSU, went to the Minnesota Vikings. I thought, man, this guy's just some tall, long, kind of a Run wimpy defender. player. Yeah. I didn't yeah. love him, but he got it in the re-environment. He sees Everson Griffin, and all of a sudden he's at the top of the NFL in sacks. So, yeah, I'm with you there. Cool. Only thing I would question, I guess, a little bit, because I do think the tight end was in the conversation, would they go another O-lineman? Uh, just because sometimes New England – 
Patricia, they don't always seem to believe in the pass rush type. Hmm. That's, I'm just throwing I mean, a food for thought. Well, I don't yeah, know that, and we talk about but this I have all the no time. problem with Montez Sweat, the player. We know that the Patriots and their tree knows how to manufacture disruption. Yeah. But and to your point to offensive line, I mean, they could. Their right tackle right now is Ricky Wagner. Their right guard is someone named Kenny Wiggins. Yeah. So, I mean, look, they, they've gone early with Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, and Graham Glasgow has been a nice late-round center for them. So, offensive line, if a Montez Sweat isn't on the board, would make sense. Yeah. I have a question about that because, I mean, everybody is said they like the player, but you have Brian Burns from Florida State rated uh, significantly higher yeah. at the same position. How come you didn't put him in that spot? Um, I, I think also the NFL has types at the spot, right? And Montez Sweat is 6'6", 260 pounds versus someone as told you yeah. is trying to eat six meals a day basically to stay at 250 right. Right. pounds. Exactly. And so if you have a prototype defensive end that also tests in the 97th percentile yeah. who's just as athletic as yeah. Brian Burns, it makes sense. New England believes in size, Paul. They yeah. believe in big people. I don't mm-hmm. think Brian Burns would be be their cup of tea to be on the edge of the defense. It's just it's it's not really in their DNA. I always tell that to people. People like New England, and I know we're, this is Detroit we're talking about, but they're trying to replicate mm-hmm. New England yeah. North, right? Uh, New England's one of those teams where, for whatever reason, their uniforms don't look like that makes them look smaller. But when you huh. get on the field and see them in person, and you go, you know, whoa, there's Nate Solder, I know, you know, or Rob Gronkowski, or whoever it may be. You go, this team is gigantic in person, and they win with their physicality. It's Bill Belichick. He came from my dad's Giants team. They believe right. in being bigger and out physicaling teams. Uh, so th- that is part of their motto. We saw a current Detroit Lions player this weekend and asked him how it's going. He's like, you mean the Detroit University yeah, Patriots? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So he that's said, yes. That's what's going on. Yes. There. All right. Number nine. We go smaller market for you now <laughs> buffalo thank you paul yes. uh we are we are running to the podium with this one we're taking that all over me yep love it yeah um buffalo needs a pass rusher bad um let's get one on the interior um the bills had the seventh fewest sacks in the nfl had 36 last year um ed oliver transcendent interior uh penetrator you know a guy that um john randall is a guy that i think of just as a as, as a minnesota guy but i uh, he he Oliver was a guy that was misused in college. You know, they, um, you know, Major Applewhite at Houston, they ran a 3-4. They had, they had Oliver at zero tackle. Playing right nose over the tackle, right exactly. over. Right. They right. drop eight guys every time. They never blitzed. And so, you know, Ed Oliver over the last three years had something like 150 more snaps at zero technique than the next highest guy in this draft class at zero technique. It was, it was incredible. And every single time, I mean, obviously, the, you know, the, the offense is going to have blocking numbers every single time. Yes. In that scenario, when you're only rushing three guys, Major Applewhite basically used Ed Oliver as, you know, Ed, you're going to do the entire pass rush for us. And then we're just going to, you know, sort of flood the intermediate sector with bodies or whatever. And teams just ganged up on him. Yeah. Double, triple teams every single time. Josh, I know you love him. I'll kick it to you. Well, so Sean McDermott um, is someone, obviously, that came from the Panthers. And they had Starler Tutele and they had K1 Short. And they really believed in interior disruption. Guess what? Last offseason, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean signed Starler Tutele. Right. And they don't have an interior disruptor now mm-hmm. opposite him Kyle because Williams of Kyle Williams' retirement. Right, right. Um, and Ed Oliver is just, I mean, he makes my heart flutter. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> you have him ranked fourth overall. Oh, it's and I wish I could high. put him higher, but those guys are even better, just a little bit. Um, but he is someone that just moves differently along that interior, yes, right? right? Like when he, he's the first one to the football, creates that disruption, which equals production, and allows other people to, to have that production. But just how he reacts to surprising movements, right. it looks like a linebacker out there. Mm-hmm. And he's someone that no matter where he goes, he'll be able to instantly create disruption from the yeah. interior. Uh, I mean, 
one of the freakiest athletes in the Ooh. draft. Yeah. I mean, there's no, no, there's no doubt about it. You know, this is why I always argue you got to be a little careful about production because of what Thor said. He was in a college playing a position that he has no business playing, uh, and he still was awesome. But at the end of the day, you just got to evaluate the player and the specimen and go, as an NFL team, we're going to use him properly. And you haven't even seen the real guy yet. And, you know, to what all they're saying, I mean, he's just twitchy as hell, explosive as hell, has an acceleration like a starting NFL running back uh, can do a lot of different things. I mean, he could play three technique um, as far as defensive tackle. He could play defensive end for a 4-3 team. And if it was a 3-4 team, I would always go, he could play stand-up outside linebacker. He is that athletic of a guy. There's that kind of versatility there. I wouldn't be the shocked if the Jets took him at number mm, three. Love it. I think that, I mean, that, he's that kind of talent. So it is amazing he's on the board here at nine, and that would be amazing for Buffalo. If Ed's having a bad day, he should just tune in and watch these Dude, last three yeah, I, I, mean, I'm, I think we're himself. all man-crushed yeah. on, oh, yeah. on yes. uh, big, big Ed Oliver, for oh, sure. Right. At number 10, Denver, anybody making your – your heart flutter there? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, for me, again, I think with Denver, I go down to there, there's offensive line a little bit, but I don't think that happens. You know, they got bowls at left tackle. They just gave Juwan James a lot of money at yep. right tackle. Uh, I don't think they're going to go interior O-line here. I've thought about tight end. At the end of the day, their new head coach is Vic Fangio. Mm. I think they're going to address defense, and I think this is where Devin Bush is going to go Love off it. the yep. board. I just think it makes too much sense. Um, you know, it's a 3-4 scheme. Vic Fangio's the new head coach. He's trying to build the right personnel for this defense. Also, the defense is his baby, just like how an offensive coach wants the offense to do well. Well, a defensive coach wants his defense to be, you know, the star of the show. And I think Devin Bush, uh, although he might not be as good as Devin White or maybe Roquan Smith or either way, I still think this is a really superstar type NFL linebacker who, if I had one issues with his game, hey, he's a little undersized. And when the run game comes right at him, can he always get off blocks or sometimes he can get swallowed by big guards or whatever it may be, but it's the speed, the physicality, the acceleration, the quickness. He is a special ball-hawking middle linebacker that I think will fit within that defense. Josh, what do you see as, as the biggest difference between Devin White and Devin Bush? Oh, that's a fair question. I don't think that there is much of a difference. I would say that Devin White, to me, is just a little bit better in coverage. And you've seen him play against speed more often, to me, in SEC defenses each and every Saturday. Quickly to your point with Vic Fangio, though, we keep bringing up Roquan Smith. He was part of his defense exactly. last year with right. Chicago. Right. And Evan Silva in our Team Need series wrote this, from Patrick Willis to Navarro Bowman to Chris Borland to Danny Trevathan, Jarrell Freeman, Roquan Smith in Chicago. I mean, Vic Fangio has a history of needing linebackers right. because they know he knows that they make his secondary, his defense, his front four – Fast, right? And Devin Bush certainly offers athleticism, just like Devin White. Right. And he plays bigger than he is, right? I mean, the the kid plays angry, squares people up, comes in and blasts people, and he's smaller, but he brings the power because you know it's force times mass. Or well, yeah, his legs and ass. Uh, that should, if you want to know where the comes power like comes from, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't a yeah. science table. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, we're getting to it. And I think this is the thing that jumped out to me: the difference between Devin White and Devin Bush. I thought Devin White was a little bit better in the mosh pit of in between the tackles, run 
game, whether it was taking on blocks or getting off blocks or even avoiding like lead blockers and then getting around them to make the tackle. To me, he was just a little bit better than Devin Bush in that category. That's the, that's the separation. But both awesome players, and Broncos should be happy to get Devin Bush. I, I would agree. Um, where where I like Bush a bit more is with instincts, yeah. right? Because sometimes sometimes White's feet get stuck in the mud for for a second, like on misdirection or stuff like that, when he right. gets confused, and that can play down his athleticism. Bush is a guy that seems like he knows where where the ball's going every single time, and he's going in to hit you. Yeah. But they're both outstanding prospects. Yeah. And again, yes, there's a absolutely. massive, massive cliff. Like, we might not see another inside linebacker in this class after the two Devons until the third round. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that's a good possibility. I heard the name Evan Silva and Team Needs. want to remind everybody, Josh and Evan Silva will take a team-by-team look at the biggest needs of every franchise and which prospects may be able to fill those holes. You can go to rotoworld.com slash – pardon me. I'm going to start that Whoa! again. You can Whoa! go to rotoworld.com slash NFL team needs. That's okay. we got to rag on you a little bit. You're not perfect. It's okay. You're allowed to have a flub here and there. Right? Right. There was the slash, and I took a breath. Hey, you're next it to was me. All down, it was all downhill from there. You're always going to look smarter than you really are if you're next to me. Don't worry. Don't think that's an accident. They get to sit next to you every time. All right. Uh, tell me that one more time, guys. Okay, there we go. Recap, one through eight. couple of quarterbacks off the board. One, Kyler Murray, and at number six, Dwayne Haskins. And a, a nice mix of offense and defense. A lot of defense uh, there, one through eight. And I think that's the way it'll be. I mean, I think you're going to see that's a lot heard, of defense, right? yes. I'm surprised you haven't seen more. Yep. At Oliver, nine. Devin Bush, ten. And All right. brings us – 11 usually follows ten. It right, does. Chris? Yeah, 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 yeah. It does, at least in my book. <laughs> Bringing us to the Bengals. Josh, that's your team. Oh, Okay. Uh, I'm going to pose the panel this question. Na- name me one signing that the Bengals made this offseason. Oh, well, I can remember they re-signed Preston Brown. Sure. That, was that a true free that agent? That was good recall. <laughs> Let, Chris. Let's say, say, let's say new player, because there basically aren't any. Yeah. John Miller, B.W. Webb, and Kerry Wynn were their notable additions yes. this offseason. That's right. standard for them, right. though, right? Right. They don't yeah. spend much in free agency. But that's also a team that, you know, is not good and has a new head coach and Andy Dalton at quarterback. I would love to go with a quarterback here, maybe even a Drew Locke, because I asked my friend Joe Goodberry, who's very connected with the Bengals and hovers around their organization, knows every year what they're doing, and he thinks that they like Drew Locke more than Dwayne Haskins. I would also have loved a linebacker, because as we know, Preston Smith and the linebackers have been super slow for years. The Fontes is perfect. Yep, right. But I'm going to add to that offensive line. I'm going to okay. give him Jonah Williams out of Alabama. Okay. Obviously, Jonah Williams played left tackle um, for the Crimson Tide. Uh, Jonah Williams probably won't play left tackle for the Bengals because they have a solid one in Corey Glenn. Um, they drafted Billy Price in the first round, I believe, just last year. Yes. But outside of that, their offensive line is trash. It's garbage. Mm. So if you really want to succeed inside of structure, and Zach Taylor comes from the L.A. Rams, right? For two years, they've had one of the best offensive lines and healthy offensive lines in the NFL. Yep. And his goal will be to create a system to succeed for Andy Dalton. And in order to do that, you have to have a good offensive line. I think Jim Williams can come in and play either guard or right tackle immediately. Yeah. Uh, love the, love yeah. the pick. Yeah. yeah. A tremendous prospect. Can you see a scenario where an offensive lineman doesn't come off the board until 11? We just did. I mean, I, he was your first one. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe the only other team – you mentioned the Lions and, and you mentioned the Jaguars – 
those are kind of the only ones, but we're going to see maybe a, a wealth of them go past here. But I think part of that is, you know, I think teams will have different players up there at the top of the tackle spot, either Jonah Williams or Jawan Taylor or Andre Dillard. Yeah. The only thing I'll push back with, I think Jonah Williams is a guard all the way. I don't think he can play tackle in the NFL. I don't think he's a big enough human as far as being able to anchor in there. The first time Khalil Mack ran a Jonah Williams at tackle, he's going to end up in whatever quarterback's lap is playing quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. That would scare me. I do think he's a true guard. I think he fits there. Listen, I'm a little down on Jonah Williams, I think, than the rest of the public. I think he's good. He's an NFL starting guard. I think he's a first-round pick. Is it just a size I just Yes, and I just wasn't overwhelmed with the film. You know, again, you know, to me, just the overall player itself, he He's really good, don't get me wrong, but I didn't see a dominant top 11 pick type of player. I thought he would have been, I think for, for my money, he'd be a 20 to 32 type of guy. Mm-hmm. Again, I think some of the success too, you got to be careful with Alabama O-linemen. They're very well coached. There's a lot of good players around them. He's a good player, don't get me wrong. I got that. I just feel like this is a little high in, in my opinion. And I think this might be a fair time to talk about best player available and this line that gets thrown out every single year because yep. it's a complete myth. You know, it really should be best grade available because no matter consciously or subconsciously, need is factored into a final grade. And if I'm looking at my depth chart, and I know they gave him some money, and I see Bobby Hart as my right tackle, I'm taking offensive lineman pretty damn early, you know? And Jonah Williams, to me, again, it depends on what your evaluation is and what your biases are, but I think Jonah Williams is a solid plug-and-play player to a multitude of spots. Okay, offensive line at 11, Jonah Williams to the Bengals at 12. The Packers and Thor, that's you. We're going to start a run. I'm going to take Jawan Taylor here. Uh, you know, for the Packers. They, oh, interesting with the Packers. Yeah, you know, I, I, th- I think they want to go best available at tight end, offensive line, or front seven. Hawkinson's already off the board, so we can't take a tight end here. So we're going to go in the trenches. Um, and, yeah, I, I think you want to go Taylor because, you know, you have to wait until 30 with, with their next pick. And I, I do think there could be a run here. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, the Packers are looking at Bulaga is, is you know, his contract's going to expire. Um, mediocre player as is. The, they have the bus, Jason Spriggs. His contract's going to expire as well. They could use help at guard. They could use help at tackle. Taylor, if you want, the first year he could play guard. If you want to play him outside the first year, it would be great. Bulaga's a free agent after this year. You can move him outside after that. And yep. you, you know, a lot of people say, oh, look, this was best player available because, you know, it's not addressing immediate need. Teams are also, as Chris knows, looking towards 2020 needs, right? And replacing overpriced, overpaid, sure. declining players. And some might view Brian Belaga as that. Then Jawan Taylor, I guess, makes sense here. I think Noah Fant is even a possibility, though, as well. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked there either. I mean, yeah, the Packers, it could go a lot of different ways. Not in love with Jawan Taylor. Yeah, I'm not. Either. You don't I, like I, his I, offensive I'm not. Lineman. You know, well, I, I like other ones that we'll talk about later. I don't want to give up my cards yet. <laughs> but uh, Jawan Taylor, I, I see the athletic ability. I get that. I think there is a little bit of a physicality power in, uh, part that I don't love. And again, I always get to this, and I think a lot of teams have missed this at the tackle position. They get in love with the footwork aspect of these players, but I think the reason you've seen like the Jermaine Effetti's and the Cedric Abuehi's not always work in the first round, yeah, they got great athleticism, but it goes back to the ability to anchor. Functional strength. Yeah, and can you stop the best pass rushers who can go speed to power when they decide, oh, I'm not going to beat you with speed. I'm going to put my foot in the ground and throw my arm in your chest and drive you back to the quarterback. That's what would worry me about Jawan Taylor. You can learn at that and get better and he'll get bigger, but I guess I'm just not as high on him as the the rest of the world. Speaking of high on him, uh, Josh, you have Andre Dillard number seven. Uh, Oh, and overall at Washington State, would you have put him in that spot? 
Um, I guess it depends on what position you want them to play, because Andre Dillard has basically only played left tackle. Juwan Taylor has basically only played right tackle. Just quickly closing this mm. out with Taylor, it is amazing how much he's changed his body, okay? Um, back, and I know you're about this, Chris. 380 coming uh, out of high school. He was 380 pounds yeah, coming cool. out of high school, and during this right. draft process, he's basically formed a six-pack. So if I can get on that workout plan, Juwan Taylor, <laughs> so send it on know. over. And, and the kid's strong as an <laughs> ox. I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> You know, when SEC edge rushers would touch him, it was like touching an electric fence sometimes. You know, the, the, the power would just zap out of him. Um, the kid's strong as an He's got ox. long arms. He does, yeah. yeah. Which is always a positive for the tackle position, too. Yeah, you know, and, and I think, you know, where I – because I like Dillard more um, than yep. Taylor as well. But, you know, for the Packers, you, you know, needing the guard, needing the right tackle um, – He's a better fit for them, I think. You know, we're, as Josh was saying, Dillard's earmark for left tackle. All right, Chris is getting ready, I can tell, because his pick is next. Yep. I, uh, Dolphins, this, 13. Well, this is the, the Dolphins. I mean, again, we could be in the quarterback conversation here. Uh, I don't think that's going to be it. I don't think, I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it's three positions. It's quarterback, it's offensive line, maybe a tackle, uh, or it's they need somebody that's a difference maker on their front seven, But you, you like Locke more than Haskins, I correct? do like Locke more than Haskins, yes. He's there? I know he's there. It's, um, I think they're going to wait another year. I, I think I think they too. I don't know why. I just feel like the stars are Tua. lining up that way. And Justin Herbert. Whether it's Tua Next or Justin better. Herbert, exactly right. Uh, I think they got Ryan Fitzpatrick, so basically they could say, we don't have to take a quarterback. We're not desperate. <laughs> um I think this is where Rashawn Gary goes off the board. I'm going to take Rashawn like Gary uh, from the University of Michigan, who, uh, to me, is one of the better athletes in this whole draft. I mean, he is a kind of a freaky athlete. Now, the big thing is, and, Paul, you've been on the podcast where we've talked about it a little bit, it's productions, it's sack rate, and things like that where people look at it and go, well, it's just not that sexy. How could it be one of the best defensive linemen and only have three and a half sacks, all of those type of things? Well, extremely versatile. I mean, the guy ran 4'5", at 200 and, what, 77? pounds that's like insane in the freaking membrane okay to do that and he's bendable he's pliable he could take on double teams he can get off blocks and again this is where a little bit like ed oliver where i just want to go it's not all about production all the times to me i have a stat you've heard me say this it's i call it i'm gonna say my first swear everybody Uh so cover your ears Fuck the play-up stat, okay? It's a good and one. And Rashawn Gary is amazing at ruining the design of a play. He might not get the sack or the tackle, but he made the play a mess to where somebody else gets the stat. But really, the root of the problem was Rashawn Gary, and I think that's his value there. And I think that for uh, Brian Flores, uh, defensive coach once again, coming from New England, I think this could be his Trey Flowers yep. type of player for this defense. Outside to inside type. Yeah. Honestly, his, his best pass rushing success might be from the inside. But he also offers just this amazing athletic profile. Do you think he can get big enough to, to move inside of the three technique? I don't know if you have to. Like, I think 276. He's as big as Michael him, Bennett. Right. And you know, moving like him kind of guy, right? And pass rushing, designated pass rushing situations, I think it works perfectly. But 94th percentile athlete, I just don't know if we saw it all the time. And I think that's fine. Sure. You know, maybe he can learn from his teammates. Mm-hmm. Maybe he can learn from his coaches. But, if again, if I'm looking for pass rushers, I care about athleticism because it gives them a ceiling and a, an instant leg up. And Rashawn Gary offers that. And this is a great spot for him at 13. He, he seems kind of like a polarizing figure. He is, because he didn't do round. much. I, I have you a lot, like him? No, I don't. I, I have a lot of questions about Rashawn Gary. You know, How he, dare you? He, <laughs> what do you think? You're some Avenger or something? <laughs> he, he's a guy with an athletic profile and, and a body of an edge rusher, but he wants to play like an interior guy. You know, it's 
you know, he, he could win with athleticism on the outside or with a plan, but what he wants to do is bull rush every yes, single time. Right. You know, and, and, and so then, you know, you think, well, you know, if, if he gets in and a great coaching staff knows how to use him, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he played with Jim Harbaugh, yeah. right? And Don Brown, who's one of the best sure. defensive coordinators in college football. Sure. If they couldn't figure out how to use Rashawn Gary, I wonder if the NFL will. Hmm. You know, Chase Winovich, another edge rusher, uh, you know, an edge player in this class. From Michigan. Exactly. Yeah. Outplayed Rashawn Gary throughout their, you know, for, from the three years that Rashawn Gary was on campus. Winovich was a better player throughout. And it wouldn't shock me if that continued to be the case for the next decade. New England's not into pass rushers. So remember that. They're, I don't think they're looking at them going, oh, we want you to come off the edge and get 15 sacks a year. Nobody's ever done that in New England, right? And again, this is New England South again. That's the same type of thing. Where, yeah, I think they're looking for the versatility guy, the guy who can set the edge in the run game, be physical, dominate tight ends, dominate the strong side tackle. And then, uh, yes, to, to, what, to my point, I do. I see Michael Bennett, right, yeah. a guy that can be incredibly disruptive. And then on situations where you go, ooh, they might pass, let's get a nickel situation, he could play three technique and I think be a handful one-on-one for guards. I understand the concerns. I get that. And I know some teams are concerned the fact that he's, you know, bringing out his own agent label and all those type of things too that doesn't necessarily help his look did you have your own logo coming out of school because he has his own logo no of course not you don't deserve your own logo (laughs) until you get to like tom brady russell wilson aaron Rodgers status then you can have a logo maybe maybe you would have gone higher than 97 right gone some better branding uh dave ragone Yes, yes. Yeah, thanks. Can I add some more yeah, fuel to the fire. Thanks a lot, Paul. I wasn't going to go there. It just yeah. seemed, it seemed but to you fit did. in with it. But you did go there. It just thanks. Seemed to fit thanks in with a lot. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least you got picked. Yes, I, I know. It was it was torture he, and awesome all at the same he time. He also wasn't a throwing quarterback at the Combine, Paul. Exactly. See, he was quite a few rungs up the ladder. <laughs> there you go. The guy down here. All right, 14. The Falcons, Josh. Yeah, yours. so the Falcons are, are super excited that Brian Burns is on the board. Edge rusher out of FSU. And I know the Falcons have selected edge rushers quite a bit in the past. I mean, you have Vic Beasley, who's a first-round pick. You have Tack McKinley, who was a first-round pick. But, I mean, if any team values explosiveness, uh, athleticism along that front seven, um, and especially at that edge-rushing spot, it is Brian Burns. And this is a player who, you know, like we talked about, has to really try hard to stay at that 250-pound range. I don't think it really matters. I think he can be active and and really play the run on the way to the quarterback, and you can line him up in a variety of alignments, standing up, three-point uh, stance, all that good stuff, and then he's mm-hmm. someone that can really, really get after the quarterback and offers a super, super high ceiling. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, you know, the other the other thing they would think about is maybe getting an interior guy, but if Brian Burns falls down here, you, you have to consider it. I mean, yeah. it, this is a guy who would be a transcendent pass rusher in the NFL. I, I do prefer sweat to him, uh, you know, in a tiebreaker just because of the, the run defense thing but Brian Burns is absolutely a better pass rusher and that's where the NFL is going yeah He's a, he is a special pass rusher. I mean, he's got special movements altogether. He's very much like Leonard Floyd, who was drafted at number six to me uh, right. for the Chicago Bears a few years ago. I mean, he could stand up, but his bend around the edge, his first step, his explosion, spin it's all a spin move, yeah. right? And I think he'll even get better in the NFL when he, again, you get around NFL coaching and you're living football and you start to learn hand fighting and other moves mm-hmm. and where to place your arms and things like that. Yeah, Brian Burns has a chance to be, be something. He certainly fits their scheme as far as what they want. I mean, again, this is a Seattle scheme in Atlanta. Dan Quinn came from Seattle. This could be, you know, their Cliff Averill when he was in Seattle. That kind of guy that come off the edge and, and, and scare quarterbacks. Speaking of quarterbacks, Redskins at 15. Drew oh, Locke is sitting there. You read my mind, but we're not going Drew Locke. We're going Daniel Jones. Oh, really? We have, we have at heard 15. At 15, we have heard all this smoke that Daniel Jones is headed towards the top 15. There, there's a mystery team that likes Daniel Jones. 
I tend to buy it. You know, it, it, this is stuff that hasn't gone away. The NFL likes Daniel Jones more than the media does. And I think there might be reasons for it, right? Like, the one thing that Daniel Jones struggled with, and he really struggled with it in college, was throwing deep. Um, but Duke had a terrible offensive line. They had terrible receivers. And Daniel Jones played last year with a fractured collarbone. I, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize this. He fractured his collarbone early in September. Mm-hmm. Fights back, what, three weeks later. Yeah. He's back from, you know, and they, they didn't have anyone to throw it deep anyway. Right. Um, the offensive line stunk. I, you know, he's a big athletic kid. He's going to run. Um, you know, he, you get a Josh Allen type, um, you know, running presence out, out of the quarterback there. And he's great in the short and intermediate area. Do you yeah. like, I mean, do you like Daniel Jones? No. no. I, this, <laughs> it's certainly, you certainly pitched him like you do. When, yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think there's reasons that he could go in the top 15. I, I yeah. think there's reasons that a team could fall in love with Daniel Jones. It would not be my pick. It would absolutely not be my pick. Mm-hmm. But reading the tea leaves with Washington, I, I think they're zeroing in on a quarterback. If they cannot complete a trade for Josh Rosen, I think they're going to be looking for one here. And I think there's reason to believe that they would prefer Daniel Jones over Drew Locke, especially with what we've heard about the top 15 stuff. And, and Washington's in an awful spot in the quarterback situation, right? They gave Alex Smith a ton of money with guaranteed money and now they're basically stuck to that contract and that's why Case Keenum's there and Colt McCoy's coming off injury I mean they will add a rookie quarterback or one on a rookie contract I should say at some point I just can't see how anyone likes Daniel Jones outside of him playing under David Cutcliffe and working inside of structure and hitting multiple levels of the field. Yeah, you know my thoughts. I'm not a big fan of the guy either. I don't think he's a first-round talent. And I never like saying this stuff because I know he's a fine young man and he's worked hard and he's doing all the right things. And it does not make me proud to sit up here and be a 38-year-old man talking about some 21-year-old kid who's doing everything right to to further his career. But from what I've seen on the field, I just want to go, well, all right, the first round – We've already said it a few times. It's about special traits, eliteness. What do you bring to the table? And I think Daniel Jones, all the eliteness he brings is to the meeting room, not necessarily to the field. Mm -hmm. I don't see an above-average NFL starting quarterback arm. He's a good athlete as far as when he has a straightaway lane to run, he's a good athlete. But I don't think he's quick in the pocket or can make people miss and get outside of the pocket and make throws on the run like that. So that bothers me. Um, And he is tough. Like He'll hang in the pocket and throw against disruption. Yeah. But a lot of times he will stare down a receiver on outside breaking well, routes and the hell out corners. It drives it drives me crazy when we talk about last year we beat accuracy to death with a Josh Allen, yeah. and then here we have a guy who's three percentage points better, yeah. who had uh, a, a basically an. A professional offensive coordinator around mm-hmm. here going, here's a wide open completion for five. Here's a wide open completion for five. And he was still 59%. You know, I, I wrote in my notes at one point, I wrote, I've seen 700 yards and seven touchdowns, and I haven't said wow about a throw yet. A single and that to me does not say first round. I, I'm interested too where this Daniel Jones conversation mm-hmm. goes because it has caught uh, hype. I know also, I'll say this, guys, I know people, you know, I would think Drew Locke is more their cup of tea because yeah. he's more athletic. I just I know the Gruden family. They like the Alex Smiths type, the Colt McCoy type, the guy who can move and run and create on his own a little bit to a degree. Um, so I, I don't know. But Daniel Jones is one of the enigmas of the first round for me. Could it, could it be that he's just acing the meetings? Could it be acing the, the psychoanalysis That's test? That's definitely the what it is. Yeah. It's one thing that I, my friends tell me is he's killing the intangible stuff. And that's when, to me, when you get into bus category, when you're not talking, the first thing out of your mouth is not talent on the field. I don't know how you guys feel about this, or but it just 
when you're not talking about talent on the field and the first thing you're talking about is the other stuff, yeah. that's a red flag to me. Yeah. I like Daniel. I like everything about Daniel Jones outside of the he didn't throw deep in college, which is a huge thing, right? A huge thing. But just like Akeem Butler with drops, I think there's contextual reasons that could, could explain why the, the, the deep game wasn't a part of his game that, that goes beyond his physical skill set. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that it does, but I'm saying that it could be argued. And Josh, you don't even have Daniel Jones in your top 50, I don't It's not my head top 100. And not your top hundred. Yeah. I don't. I don't have the fifty-one through hundred. I, I don't blame you. I take your word for it. And Daniel Jones is your sixth-rated quarterback. You dropped him to seven. Yeah, he was. I think he. Oh no, you're right. It's six. It's six. I was wrong. Sorry. You tell I, me. I can't count. You got to tell me yeah. these things. But no, you're right. It's he's this, six. He's six. Yes. You have him behind Ryan Finley, behind Jared Stidham. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they have more physical upside than uh, Daniel Jones. Again, every time I hear Daniel Jones, it's David Cutcliffe came from Duke. Right. Blah blah. And that's not always a good thing for me. We, we've been waiting for the next best compliment or a better one. It just hasn't seen that yep. come along. Right. All right, 17, Carolina Panthers. That's you, Chris. Chris, okay. can I interrupt you here? Please do. Because the Panthers have given me highs and very, very lows. Yep. Okay? Right. I and this up, is your hometown team. I grew up as a seven-year-old going to Ben Erickson Stadium mm-hmm. down in Clemson, actually their first season. And please... Please, Chris Sims, give them Andre Dillard, the left tackle out of Washington State. I will deliver on Thank some you. of what you want. No, okay, please. Some of you what you want. <laughs> I really like Andre Dillard, but there's somebody I like better oh, no. than him. Yes. I'm going with Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, <laughs> oh, no. who I look at as the best tackle in the draft. He is the man. And let me just make sure I pull up his measurables because I want to talk about this guy because I like him very much. No, so again, Cody Ford, uh, when you look at him overall, skill set, he's 328 pounds, okay? We've talked a lot about these offensive tackles. First of all, I think Carolina believes in size on the offensive line. I think that's the kind of coach Ron Rivera is. They want big guys. Now, Dillard's awesome, but to me, where I look at Cody Ford, the size of the human being, okay, at 6'5", 328, that's always a positive, all right? And then, okay, is he as athletic as a Dillard or a Jawan Taylor? No. No, he's not. But he's still plenty athletic to stop any speed rusher that comes around the edge in the NFL. So for his little lack of maybe athleticism compared to the other guys – Okay, it's a little less, but his ability to play power, I think, is way greater than the other guys. And again, I don't think he's going to have any issue, whether it's Jadeveon Clowney, Khalil Mack, he is going to be able to go, okay, oh, you want the power rush? No problem. Raw, stay right there. That's where I love. To me, I see Jason Peters. Uh, I see a more athletic Trent Brown, who just got the most off, most money an offensive lineman's ever got. I think this kid is a franchise left tackle who has no weakness. This this is my guy to me right it's, here. It's nice that you're looking at me because on the I don't want to look to them. I know Josh they're, they're, is looking like I look when I'm not agreeing with my wife. Chris, <laughs> Chris, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Oh, sorry. Okay? Sorry. And the reason being is Cody Ford's a right tackle. He played right tackle Oklahoma. Maybe he can move to left tackle, but the Panthers already have a wealth of right tackles. Taylor Moten's best spot is on the right He's going to left tackle. And okay, that's and a projection. Meanwhile, you have it, Andre it, Dillard, who has nine hundred something. You're past you're, you're overdoing this. Side. Listen, but you're overdoing this again with good athletes. Like I was capable of driving to the right. I'm a lefty. I could drive to the right in basketball. I could do it. I'm. I can do it. I can could you do it well? I could. Yes. I can. Yeah. You better be worried about my right. He's going to be able to for a top tier big man dancing bear athlete for him to go this way compared to this way is not going to be as a big adjustment as everybody always 
Rivers tries to make it out to be. I, see, I think it takes like, and I'm no NFL player, but just from listening to Jeff Schwartz and listening to Joe Thomas, it can take about two months to make that transition. Sure. And maybe, maybe he can, or maybe they move right. Taylor Moten to the left side. I just think that even in looking at individual evaluations, Andre Dillard is an outstanding prospect. And you have him ranked seventh overall, and you have Ford all the way down to 29. I think I'm the highest out there in anyone than Andre Dillard. And I do like Cody Ford. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I like Andre Dillard, too. And I Andre just... Dillard is, isn't much of a, a uh, run blocker. Okay? Like, that's not going to be his calling card. But to me— See, that's where Carolina, I look at them and go, they're going to run. That's, what, that's what sure. where I, I tossed around these two names right you. there. I hear you. You, I just, am a, you just picked I, the wrong one. That's I right. err on size. That's all I'll say. Go ahead. I want to hear what you got to say about Cody Ford. I think Josh um, is too emotionally invested in this. <laughs> I, I, I like Cody Ford a lot. Um, I am with Josh in preferring Dillard, though. Um, and I'm quite happy because I pick for the Vikings here in, in two spots. And, and, uh, well, I should probably figure out who I'm <laughs> if, if, if they get down there, I'll be, I'll be taking Dillard. But uh, yeah, I, I like Cody Ford a lot. Like I'm not, you know, th- this is no indictment about Cody Ford. And Cody Ford can do a whole bunch of different things, yeah. right? You know, yeah. I mean, he can play a minimum three positions in the NFL, and if he can swing left tackle, he can play four. Right. Um, you know, he he can do a lot of different things. He and one thing that I really really appreciate about Cody Ford last season was that you know before he was playing guard. Orlando Brown leaves, you kick Evans over to the left side, and you kick him, you know, forward outside, and he played tremendous. Pass blocker, run blocker, all around. Good good player. I think there's there, there's ceiling left there. There's untapped potential as well. Yeah. Bringing us to number 17, the Giants at number 6. Uh, Thor, I believe that was your pick. You gave them Dwayne Haskins, yeah, the quarterback in the top 10. So number 17, Josh. Yeah, and obviously we've talked about Dave Gettleman and his love for big pass rushers. So why not give him the biggest pass rusher in this class? And that is Dexter Lawrence, interior defensive lineman out of Clemson. Uh, Chris, I might even give you the floor on this one because I know you Chris love loves you him. some love Dexter Lawrence. But he is, what, like 335, 40. 340 yeah, pounds. Right. Who, once he creates momentum on his first couple steps, there might not be an interior offensive lineman that can anchor against him because he has some unreal movement skills for his size. And also, you know that his... Bad snaps are just going to be stuck at the line of scrimmage, holding up one or two blockers and stuffing that into here. So Dexter Lawrence, to me, is very much a Dave Gettleman type in a draft class that really um, goes to the types of players that Dave Gettleman loves to draft. Uh, I, I mean, he's exactly right. I have a man crush on Dexter Lawrence. I do. I don't, I don't again, you, you know. I've never seen – there's not too many people on planet Earth that are 6'4", 340 and can move with Dexter Lawrence. In fact, I'm pretty common in saying it's like a list of three to four people on the whole planet. That's how athletic he is. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a guy that size move the way Dexter Lawrence does. I mean, whether it's shuffling down the line of scrimmage, whether it's taking on double teams, you know, whether it's just pursuit of the quarterback. And we hear the, the common phrase so much, right, push the pocket, right, mm-hmm. how that's become so popular in the NFL – I don't know if there was anybody in the draft that pushed the pocket better. Only thing I'll question about this pick yeah. is how badly do they need the position? That would be my only thing. They have Dalvin Tomlinson. They have B.J. Hill, who they drafted last year. They have R.J. McIntosh. Well, but other uh, than that, I think the player can make a lot of sense I'll there. tell you this, though. I don't think it matters to Dave Gettleman. But he, he's someone who had Starla Tulele, had K1 Short, and then also drafted Vernon Butler in the first round. So he really believes in that rotation up front. That's you true. had Jerry Tillery rated quite a bit higher yeah. at that same position. Yeah, and I think Jerry Tillery 
a great prospect. I think Christian Wilkins is a very good prospect. But I, I'm trying to do this in the eyes of the NFL, mm-hmm. and yep. I think the NFL yep. likes Lawrence better. Yeah, and I, I, I would agree um, with, with everything these guys are saying. And, you know, one point I'll go back to is, is Dexter Lawrence, you know, in terms of pass rush, we know he's a great run blocker. He's going to eat up blocks. He created more disruption as a pass rusher than his counting stats give him credit for. Um, you know, I mean, he's throwing people around and stuff, but, you know, he's, he's forcing a little bit of interior pressure. I, right. I, I think that, you know, the difference between Dexter Lawrence being a star in the NFL and just being like a, you know, an okay sort of solid starter is can he can continue to create that disruption as a pass rusher, even if he's not getting the sacks, facilitating, you know, at, in college, it was for Christian Wilkins, it was for Clell and all those kind of guys. He can create some of that disruption on passing downs. Truth be told, the only reason the guy at the end of the table is sitting there because for the Vikings at 18, <laughs> we wanted a guy named Thor with a beard with a Minnesota accent to make the pick. So there you go. We are sprinting to the podium. It is Andre Dillard. Um, this is a dream scenario. The Vikings fans have died and gone to heaven. This is the guy that we want. Um, you take Andre Dillard. He's starting at left tackle from day one. Riley Reef, we're going to kick him inside. That's fine. Um, Josh was talking about it before. He's Andre Dillard is a guy, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, past pro reps. You know, coming out, of, coming out of high school, he was a 240-pound. He was a left tackle in college. or I'm sorry, in high school. But in high school, he was looked at like this mauling run blocker who needed to get more pass pro reps. He goes and plays for Mike Leach, right? You know, and he sat for one year and then he started for three. The first couple of years, you know, he, as a starter, he was just a big athlete. And last year, he really took his game to another level. Elite athlete, elite pass blocker. And, and the one other thing I'll say is there are questions about his, his run blocking. I don't think it's because we've seen him be a bad run blocker on film. I, I think it's more because of the wonky system, yes. right? You have the, the five-foot splits, you know, it's... Right. Yeah, they yeah. don't do it a lot. They don't run. You don't get to see a lot of, like, NFL true so, running yeah. schemes to go, oh, that translates. Okay, yeah, he'll have to do that in the NFL. I think that's – but you're right. I, there's enough ability there to where I go, this kid's going to be fine. I mean, he's a stud. He's an unbelievable athlete. And the biggest thing for the Vikings is really they are only going to go as far offensively as their offensive line will let them go. Yep. And last year's offensive line was horrific. It had a lot of injuries in the middle. And Kirk Cousins, I don't know what you think, Chris, I don't think he's – as consistent as you want against disruption, against pressure. And coming from a clean situation, he's he's an upper-tier quarterback. You know, right. he's an above-average player. And, and he's going, he, you know, Dillard now, you know, in terms of the run blocking again, you're totally right about Cousins. You need that supporting cast. With the Vikings, they're running zone. You know, to, in Gary, they brought Gary Kubiak in. You know, as far as the run blocking, Andre Dillard being an elite athlete, I think he's going to be a very good run blocker in his own system, assuming he gets there. Chris, you keep getting your former teams here. 19, the Titans. Well, yeah, there's like 12 I, of right. them, right? I forgot about it. See, there's three of them. I didn't even put that together. You're right. I didn't even uh, realize that. Why didn't you guys give me Tampa? That's messed up. Um, Could have made the trifecta here. The Tennessee Titans, I'm, I'm literally deciding what I want to do right here on the fly. So you I'm weren't going, listening. Well, I was I was listening, but I'm going, man, the Titans, they're just – all right, I look at this and go, okay – you know, maybe it could go guard, something like that. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, I go defensive tackle, maybe another pass rusher on the edge. They're not going to go linebacker. Got Rashawn Evans last year in the first right. round. I can't imagine that happened. You know, Rackpo's not there anymore. They're pretty stacked at corner as well. Yeah, so there's no secondary. I don't think it's going to be wide receiver. Nope. I don't. You got Humphreys. They drafted Corey Davis, who really kind of came on last year and I thought looked good two years ago in the top five or top six. So, uh, to me, it comes down to, I think, defense end or yep. defense tackle, that type of player. And I think this is where I'm going to go with Clellan Farrell from Clemson here. And to me, this is probably a little too high. I, I, don't, I, I don't like this pick for just the value of number 19, mm-hmm. but I also think 
It's where positional need meets and who's available on the board to where I think it makes sense there. And Kalel and Farrell, I do think, again, can fit within what the Dean Pease defense wants. You know, hey, Dean Pease came from Baltimore. You see Zadarius Smith, a Terrell Suggs type. Kalel and Farrell could be that type of guy. Stand up 3-4 outside linebacker. Oh, we're going to the 4-3 defense here on this play. He could put his foot, you know, his hand down and come off the edge. But a really well-rounded football player. I did not think he was like a natural guy gifted pass rusher with bend, a little stiff, but For plays sure. hard, and he's physical. And I think from that aspect, his floor is very low. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he has this super high ceiling, but I think you're kind of getting a player that – you can go, okay, he might not be a superstar, but he's going to start for us for a long time in the NFL. And we hear all about how this is an, a great edge rushing group. This might be the cliff here for the first-round edge rushers, hmm. right? After this, there's not another name that you can really lock into as a first-round selection. And so if a team wants it, and as we talked about, even though they added some nice pieces at the edge rushing spot, Cam Wake, Harold Landry, and last or two years ago, last year's draft, um, this is – a player that would offer some rotational pass rushing upside that maybe take over for Cam Wake once he retires. Oh, I don't get the feeling either one of these two guys uh, feel great about this, no. this pick. You? I, I, I do feel good about it because, you know, and Josh was alluding to this, th- this is a transcendent edge class, but there is a cliff, and it's it's after Farrell unless, you know, Gary's the, the last guy or whatever, but we have reached that cliff. Yep. And, you know, at that point, after after Farrell, the next guys Sack Daddy, Chase Winovich, um, th- there's a huge drop off after that. So I, I I really like that pick, getting the last guy in, in that in that tier, that second tier there. Let me ask you this: You guys, I, I, I know they're telling you in my ear, we got to hurry I up, know, I know. up. But like LJ Collier, I look at him as a guy that like. I go, ooh, he could be one of these guys just because of the position being overdrafted. Does he sneak in the first round? But, okay, go, let's go on. Next pick, sorry. <laughs> I got a big mouth. <laughs> they were telling me to hurry up. I know, they, they, but they've they they heard it to them, yes. too, as well, yes. <laughs> Steelers at 20, Josh. Oh, I, I think they might have gone Clell and Farrell because after Bud Dupree, you know, has not hit on his first-round buzz like T.J. Watt has, um, they still need an edge rusher. Part of me wants to replace Antonio Brown, mm. you know, with a D.K. Metcalf possibly. But I'm going to go with the player that shut down DK Metcalf, an LSU cornerback, mm. greedy. Makes Williams. sense. Yeah. This is a team that has really failed in many ways to draft the cornerback position. Yeah. Their best corner uh, is is Joe Hayden. Right. And they were just able to sign him. Off Didn't the work out with Artie Burns at all. Yeah. At all. And you know they signed Stephen Nelson, and maybe he can play outside corner from the Chiefs, but his best spot might be on the inside, taking over Mike Hilton. So yeah. greedy Williams is. A great athlete. He's someone that plays the ball extremely well. Ball skills are something that can really separate um, cornerbacks coming out as prospects because you take that with you. And like I talked about, DK Metcalf is widely viewed as the number one wide receiver in this class. Mm-hmm. You watch his game against LSU, and sure, he runs three routes. He runs a go route, he runs comebacks, he runs curls. But Greedy knew that. Greedy played off of him and was able to attack the catch point on basically every single throw. And bullied him. And bullied yeah. him. Yeah. The cornerback is a position of value in every draft, and this is the first one off the board at 20. Yeah. And, and the issue with that is I don't know if I want to be the team to start that cornerback run mm-hmm. because because there might be a number that are in that same clump, that same tier that you select from. But I'm going to have the Steelers do that here. I think Greedy stands out, though, from the okay. rest. I mean, again, I, you go back to one of my, you know, 6-2 corner who runs 4-3-7. Not bad. Show, show me a lot of those in the world that are right. going around. And there are not a lot of them in the NFL or anything like that. So uh, I get it. And I think Pittsburgh does have the need for the position, as you mentioned. And Pittsburgh, to, 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 to my annoyance always, they've drafted cover guys in the past too much on tackling. Like corners on, and I want to be like, 
nobody's talking about Jalen Ramsey's tackling. We're not talking about Deion Sanders as a right. Hall of Fame corner because did he tackle good enough? I didn't draft him for that, nor did I draft Darrell Revis for that. So, to me, this guy is got special movements, holds a little much. That's the only thing I looked at his game. he got to improve that, but he is, uh, he's a big-time specimen. For as consistent of a franchise that the Steelers are, they certainly have thrown us curveballs in recent years. I mean, Artie Burns a few years ago took Terrell Edmonds, the safety, out of – Virginia Tech last year that no one expected to be a first-round pick. So yeah. it will be interesting to see if they throw a curveball at us this year as well. Seahawks at 21 with the, the money they have left. They're going to have to pay somebody there with this pick. Thor, it's your pick. Yeah, well, this is the nightmare scenario for Seattle because <laughs> I, I, I was going to take Greedy um, if, if Josh hadn't. And, of course, the, I mean, the Seahawks desperately want to trade down. They only have four picks. They have multiple needs in, in this exercise. We're stuck in this spot. Um, don't love the options looking around it. You know, I don't think they're going to take – I don't think they're going to shop local with this one with Byron Murphy. Could we improve their offensive line here? Would that be a possibility? We 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 potentially could. Um, I think you know when, when when you look at those guys. I mean, would you go Lindstrom? Would you go Risner? We've we sort of have drop off the cliff there. I'm going to get them a pass catcher. You know, we we, we 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 you know we just re-signed Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, Baldwin's got you know health concerns, um, but I'm not going to take a receiver here. I'm going to take Noah Fant. You know, get, get a guy who excels in space. Russell Wilson scrambling around. Noah Fant. He. And, and, and Josh and I, we, you know, we, we have some thoughts on Noah Fan. We can, we can bat this around. But, you know, he, he's a guy who in space is tremendous. You know, he's an elite athlete, great player in space. He's a red zone killer. He does have some specific struggles, though, um, blocking, contact balance, um, yep. catching the ball in traffic, um, stuff like that. I have some questions about Noah Fan. I don't know that he would be my guy here. But I think with, you know, the Seahawks, I do think, you know, if they were stuck here and Greedy's off the board, I do think that they might look for a pass catcher here. Oftentimes when a tight end is compared to Ryan, Rob Gronkowski, like TJ Hawkinson is, you believe that other tight end is Aaron Hernandez-like, right, in terms of a move, Mm -hmm. H-back. I don't think that's Noah Fant. You know, he's being compared to Jordan Reed. He's being compared to Evan Ingram. He's not that fluid and comfortable after the catches, those. In fact, to me, Thor, I think he's... He doesn't break tackles. No, but he shows a lot in line. Like, he can immediately come in and work as an in-line tight end. And at Iowa, he was asked to do that a lot. Yeah, it's there. It's there. He's got it. I mean, he's not a perfect blocker, but I do think there is is potential there. I didn't look at him and go, oh, this is some wimp who's scared to block, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw the will and the want to. He needs to get better at it. But I do think... I think some of the concerns that Thor brought up about just contact balance, catching the ball over the middle, that would be my concerns more than anything. That's where Hawkinson's, I think, separated himself. Hawkinson's like, oh, there's nine people around me. I don't care. Knock my head off. I'm going to catch it. And and that's what coaches want. Sorry. I mean, especially right. at the tight end position, they want that type of physicality. So I get it there. Uh, yeah, still a good pick, though. He's I certainly agree. a special athlete. Jared Cook is who he kind of reminded me of. Dustin who, Keller for or me. Is, okay. okay yeah. or that. 98th percentile athlete here yeah. for Noah Fame, which 90s. is yeah. just unreal. Crazy. What, what exactly are you referring to there, 98th So he is more athletic than 98% of the tight ends based that off come like into the combine. NFL. Well, based on their entire athletic profile along with weight. I mean, he's 6'4", 247 pounds. Okay. That works. Chris, take a breath. Okay. You're up next. Oh, I'm up. Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks for up. that breath. Oh, I feel better now. Um, <laughs> 22 yeah. Ravens. Ooh, 22 Ravens. Okay. Um, I'll say this. You know, running back, I think, mm. for a difference maker, uh, Josh Jacobs could be in this conversation here. But I think at the end of the day, let's not overthink this. 
one of the freakiest people in the draft is still on the board, and I didn't mess this up, right? Yes, DK Metcalf. There we go. Okay, I got scared because I remember you saying his no, name, no, and I was like, good. "Wait, did he pick him?" And I totally blanked out. But DK Metcalf, Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, uh, you know, the roster. There's nothing to hang your hat on there right now, as far as that position. And again, I know Lamar Jackson's a work in progress at quarterback and accuracy. I think he can do it, and not that he has to be Tom Brady anyways. But DK Metcalf. Let's not over-evaluate this. Again, no. here's a, a guy who was 228 pounds, who runs 4-3, and yes, he ran three routes, like you mentioned earlier in college, but again, I'm not going to overanalyze it and go, hmm, one of the greatest athletes we have in the draft, I don't know if he can run that route, because I never saw it. No, he'll be able to do it, and at the very least, he's going to buy himself time to learn to become a better route runner. Why? Because a great receiver, if you go Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, what can they all do? They scare you to death with going deep. Deep, which makes everything else so much easier because corners are going, oh, he's going to go for 70. He's going to go for 70. Oh, he ran the slant route. He caught it. Oh, gosh, now i got to go tackle him. Mm-hmm. And that's what he brings to the team, and they need, they need a receiver. I was a fan of Lamar Jackson. I know you were a fan of Lamar yes, Jackson. Right. But it was notable how much of a decline the outside wide receiver passing game sure. took yep. when Lamar Jackson took over compared to Joe Flacco. I mean, John Brown was having a fantastic season and then basically saw three targets a game. Yep. Once, once Lamar Jackson took over. Now, I'm not saying that DK Metcalf is John Brown, but I will say they kind of win at the similar areas of the field. And mm-hmm. I kind of think that that's why they've invested so much in tight end yep. and so much in the interior of the slot. And I do wonder if Lamar Jackson can unlock DK Metcalf's right. playmaking potential. Right. But in terms of a need, this certainly fulfills one. I'm going to come back to you here. You can think about Houston at 23, but quickly more on DK Metcalf. Do you think this is a, a Ravens, Eric DaCosta, very first draft? You think this is the kind of kid he wants to take with his first pick? Yeah, I I, I can absolutely see the pick. Yeah, um, I, I do have some concerns about DK, um, and I I'm with Josh on this. Where I prefer Hakeem Butler to him. Um, there's a few guys I prefer, but DK is a transcendent size, speed, north south athlete getting downfield. You know he's, at, you know at this time he's sort of a one trick pony, but that one trick is pretty cool. My my concern though is he, <laughs> you know he, you know against against guys you know like Greedy Williams we were talking about before shut him down and did he, did DK even have 70 career catches in an air raid over three years at Ole Miss yeah. I mean you know AJ Brown got all the targets right. there um, so, so I do have some concerns and also with the body you know, they're showing it on the screen right now you know pe- people are going nuts about that on Twitter oh did DK's body and stuff that looks unhealthy to me you know <laughs> as, 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 you're as not far an NFL with that. player well you know well, last if season you your shirt off he'd go that doesn't look healthy to who me who wants so to I look like fair, that right? fair. I, I, I would take DK Metcalf's body yeah. but, you know as, far, as yeah. far as being an NFL receiver yeah. and the guy last year got knocked Second season-ending injury in three years at Ole Miss. Neck injury, right? Right. Uh, Amon Richards from Miami was a receiver who was supposed to be in this class. His his career is over because of a neck injury. Mike Williams was a guy who struggled with neck injuries. It's scary when you look at that frame and the fact that, that, you know, the the report of him being at uh, 1.5% body fat and stuff. Possible? Well, there was a two and – I I did a lot of research on this. Of course you did. There's a 2.5% margin of error on that machine. On the 1.5% body fat? So you get up to 4, right? Anything three or below is considered like you know we we, we could be like moving into like yeah well, he's, he's, he's getting an IV at every ha- at the halftime of every game just like there is a number of receivers that have to do that in the NFL because he's a he's he's freaky that he way. is a freak my yeah, scale absolutely. has actually a, a ten p- 
pound difference between what it can be and what it can't be. So Size would be a concern, though, difference, to yeah. what, you're, what you guys are saying, too, because I don't want him to get too big. Yeah. I would worry about that. I mean, it is. He's, he's that gifted to where he can let go in the weight room like three times, and all of a sudden you come out and you go, holy shit, he's 240. That could be scary. And again, too, I don't want to overanalyze this, but Ole Miss, I mean, if you made me watch film, there is times where I go, are they trying to win the game? Are they actually trying to get their best players the ball? Or are they going, let's get our worst players the ball and just see what happens? Because that's what it looked like at times. And so that was hard to evaluate. It drove me crazy. Jackson's 23. Yeah. So for a team that has a blossoming quarterback in Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, and they keep adding to that interior passing game with Kiki Cutie and Jordan Akins, yada, yada. I think they've ignored the offensive line Definitely. for years. Yeah. And we know that and maybe they're relying a bit too much on how Deshaun Watson can succeed inside and outside of structure. But they need offensive line. And sure, there might not be that glamorous player like a Cody Ford or a Dillard, Dillard up right. there at top. But I'll go with Caleb McGarry. Okay. A tackle out of Washington. And I know that he's not widely viewed as maybe a first-round selection. But McGarry or Dalton Reisner or someone at this tackle spot so they don't go into the to the season with Julian Davenport and Chantrell Henderson and Martinez Rankin. And they just signed Matt Khalil, who's never healthy. They have to shore up one of those bookend spots. And to me, Caleb McGarry would do that on the right side. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the, the Raiders picks, we have two coming up here. Thor, you're going to have them both. Let's begin with 24. Yeah, well, okay, so first of all, we got Quinton Williams with our first pick, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we have him in the back pocket. We also need a tight end, but there's none that we can pick here. We, we could use an edge guy, but I don't know if you're going to take Jalen Ferguson, my boy Sack Daddy from mm-hmm. Louisiana Tech, or Winovich. I, I don't know. I if, do like him, Jalen, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I, didn't mean to interrupt, I, I, I do too, a Marcus yeah, Davenport yeah. type. Um, but, you know, I don't know that the value is here right now. Um, so I'm, I'm going to – I think I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take our boy Hakeem Warwick. Or, I'm sorry, Hakeem Butler. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, – Wide receiver, Iowa State? Wide receiver from Iowa State. Um, you know, th- there hasn't been much talk about Hakeem Butler. You know, he's, he's flown very far under the radar, and I think that there are, there are teams that like him. You look at Vegas. Vegas knows more generally than, than the media. Hakeem Butler consistently, consistently has been number two in odds behind DK Metcalf really? for the first receiver off the board taken. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. And because – I mean, people are split and respected people. I'm not going to call myself respected. You have other. him 14th overall. <laughs> I do, I do. And I love him as my top wide receiver. But, you know, Lance Zerline of NFL.com has him as wide receiver 12. Outside of Daniel Jeremiah's top 50. I mean, Dane Brugler, number 63. You know, and I, I think the NFL might view him as a third-round wide receiver. I truly do. I don't think he's going to go in round one. And especially with the Raiders, with Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, whoever they want to use in the slot, I think they're kind of set that position. But to me, the value makes sense from a talent standpoint to what, obviously, they hope to do in John Gruden's offense. What's the biggest knock on him? Uh, drops. Drops. Yes, it's drops. a pretty big deal. That, that is the one. It's, 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 it's a big issue with me. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't touch him in the first round. And there's upside to him. There's no doubt about it. The right. guys talked about some of the positives. He's a giant, 50-50 balls, great circus and catches down the field are all uh, very impressive. But, yeah, I, you know, again – I'll just push back with I don't know the player, and I don't know if the Raiders need a receiver at this point either. That would Mm -hmm. be just the other thing I would push back against. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, hey, there there was – I checked the rule book. You know, they could have gone defensive tackle too, but they have a few more picks. They could get another one. I mean, they could do do a number of different things. But either way, I'm not in love with the Keem Butler. If you're adding a skill position player, I think Josh Jacobs here makes more sense than Keem Butler. I don't don't like Jacobs in round one. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. 
I bet he goes off the board at some point here, 25 through 32. 25 is up next, Eagles. Chris. Oh, baby, the Philadelphia Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with a guy whose name's not even been mentioned yet. Uh-oh. And the Eagles are in a kind of a spot where I thought about, again, you could think Josh Jacobs, all right? Okay. Um, you certainly could do that. I thought about mm, maybe corner. Could they go corner? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, they do have, you a know. A wealth of average corners. They do. They have Ronald Darby, who I think is a pretty good player. And they did draft the kid Sidney Jones in the second round a few years ago, who I would expect this is the year you see the real Sidney Jones, year two after an Achilles tear. So, I mean, all those things have gone to my gone through my mind but they have a tackle problem I think I mean Jason totally. Peters has been hurt he's been you know and last two seasons been in and out of the lineup for me the next guy up Greg Little from Ole Miss would be my next tackle up and Greg Little uh, just so you guys know for my money I thought was the third best tackle in this draft just just so we're clear there I thought it was Cody Ford Dillard then I would have gone with Greg Little and again you know my maybe I see it differently but 65 310 35 and a quarter inch arms I mean that is that is prototype left tackle stuff yeah and Maybe not as athletic as Dillard or Juwan Taylor, but not much less than. But again, what I put stock in is the ability to handle the power rush. And he got to see it a lot in the SEC with NFL defensive ends and and people who could rush the passer. And I thought his ability to either punch people and stop them in their tracks with those long arms and then anchor down and, and, and hold his ground against the power rush, I thought was very special. So to me, I think this is Greg Little, whether they want to put him at left tackle, uh, or maybe he sets the bench for a little. Maybe he has to play guard for whatever, the year. Who knows what it might be. He might have to take Brandon Brooks bar early, but we're coming to the end of the Jason Peters uh, career. It's got to happen sometime. And they yeah. can make him the left tackle, or they make him the right tackle, and they can move, uh, you know, what the hell is the right tackle? Big v. Well, they have Lane no, Johnson. Lane Johnson. Yeah. They can maybe move him to left tackle either way, but I think it's time to think about that decision and protect Carson Wentz. Colts 26, Josh. I am so happy, and so is Chris Ballard. That Jerry Tillery, interior defensive lineman out of Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. You have him ranked 10th overall. I do. I mean, uh, again, anyone that can, with athleticism, show bend and flexibility from that interior defensive line spots. I mean, so often he was asked to occupy other blockers to free up others, and then ultimately he was the one that made the play mm-hmm. just because of how fluid and flexible he is from either three technique or five, wherever you want to use him. And just speaking about Chris Ballard, he's done a fantastic job early in his career with the Colts. I mean, last year we know he acquired those three second-round picks mm-hmm. moving back in that Sam Darnold trade and was able to draft Quentin Nelson, was able to draft Braden Smith, was able to draft Darius Leonard. I mean, those are three massive hits in his first three selections. And you had Jerry Tillery to a, a GM, a decision maker, who really cares about athleticism mm-hmm. and a position of need. This is a perfect player-to-team fit, in my opinion. I know you like Tillery I do. a lot as I'm well. A big, I'm a big Tillery fan. I mean, he's yeah. disruptive as hell. I think he's only going to get better. He's only going to become a bigger, thicker guy as far as handling double teams and things like that. And I think the thing about, like, bad film and good film is a little overrated. His bad film, okay, you know, I'll make this point. For any defense in college football who, like, they do a lot of slants and stunts and things like that, Notre Dame does that. 
you know, I think a lot of his bad plays, it's like, hey, we'd like you to shoot over two gaps when the quarterback says set hut. Okay, shoot over two gaps. He does what he's supposed to do. But he's got a 300-pound man on his back. And does, do the evaluators expect him to stop in the hole? Like, I'm going to run over there with a guy pushing me, and I'm just going to stop and be like, this is my hole. Stop. No, that's not realistic. Sometimes you got to take into account what he's being asked to do, and is it realistic to hold him that hold that gap down? When he played straight forward, I thought he was very good, and I'm a big fan of the player. Nice of you to bring Big Phil in there a little bit. Yeah, that was Big <laughs> yeah. Phil's voice. Oh, missed him. We, yeah. we were talking about Tillery in the makeup room before, before yeah. the show started. You know, he was a guy who was misused until last year. You know, but before they were trying to use him as like a you know in a similar way to like Ed Oliver, they were trying to use him as a block occupier, like you know a nose tackler or whatever. Last year, you know Brian Kelly finally moves him to three yes, technique, right. and he just shot off. Right. I mean, th- right. Th- th- this is a guy who who was born to create interior pressure. You know, get after the quarterback. And his counting stats last year weren't you know th- the best, but PFF rated him as a pass rusher equal to Quinn and Williams, tied for first in in the entire nation. He he led the nation in um, pass rushing reps. Pass rushing wins in in you know reps that did not uh, were not counted as pressures, so he he was doing a lot of things that were not showing up on the stat sheet. Right, right. Very disruptive, and, and he played through a torn labrum for yep, the last. Not easy, yeah, no, right. yeah. Before Thor goes again for the Raiders at number twenty-seven, a reminder for measurements to testing scores to player comparisons and everything else in between. Go to rotorworld.com/slash/prospect/capsules for Thor Nyström's in-depth okay. breakdowns at every position. So now, Thanks for Paul. the Raiders, yes, yes, sir. To recap at number four, Chris gave them Quinn and Williams. And then just moments ago, looking down here to number 24, Hakeem Butler, wide receiver, Iowa State, now at 27, their third pick in the first. Yeah, you know, so my, my last pick, we're, we're sort of shooting the moon on, on upside here, right? We have, we have three first-round picks. Well, you know, I don't know that they're trying to win next year. So um, we're going to take a guy that might need a red shirt. We're going Jeffrey Simmons. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the, the okay. interior defensive lineman from Mississippi State. Um, I, you know, I think this is a guy, when we look back in a decade, could be one of the elite players from this class. He, you know, he, he is coming off an injury. Obviously, he, he tore his ACL. Might be able to get back in time to, to contribute just a bit this year. Yeah. Um, he does have the off-field issue, um, of course. Um, so, you know, the, there are things on his evaluation that are going to push him down the board. But, man, he, he is strong as an ox. He gets after the quarterback. Great run defender. He can do a lot. So, after you selected Quinnen Williams... Actually, that was Chris that did that at pick number four. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know, P.J. Ford, Mo Hurst, they don't prevent you from taking a Quinn Williams. Right. Now you have four interior defensive linemen yeah. that are really good, and you have no edge rushers other than Arden Key. And so for me, even if L.J. Collier might not be considered a first-round type player, might do L.J. Here. Collier much more fits a need. I, but I, I don't think we're looking at it for this year, right? Think, like, we're, we're building out. I think their, their game plan and what they've done this offseason does point to them wanting to win now. Yeah, I, listen, I think both thoughts are correct. I'm not going to sit here and go either one is wrong. You have to pick one, Chris. Well, no, I don't. The hell with you. But, no, I, mean, I totally hear you. I hear what you're saying, Josh. Yeah. I mean, that's that certainly, yeah, you go, oh, okay. I mean, you know, do we want to wait on a guy and not sure if he's 100% and we're going to have to hear the public perception of, like, oh, you drafted a guy with a torn ACL. This is what we traded Khalil McAway for, yeah, yeah, all yeah. this kind of crap. So they might have to deal with that. But I think also to Thor's point, Jeffrey Simmons, I think, as healthy is probably a way higher up on people's draft boards a healthy Jeffrey Simmons to where yep. they might be like, damn, we didn't think he'd be here at this point. Just based off so. his tape, if you remove the ACL from this winter, just based off his tape, how high would he go? Well, I think without the ACL and without the off-field issue, I think he's a top-10 talent. I, and, yeah. Absolutely. I would disagree. I don't think it. it's that high. I'm going to say top 20, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know if top 10 would be for me, but uh, again, he is super talented nonetheless. I don't think there's any denying that. 
All right, Chargers 28. Chris. Oh, baby. Okay, here we go. Okay, you know who I'm going with? I don't. And this has been an issue for the, <laughs> the, the Los Angeles. This, this has been the issue, I think, the last few years of the Los Angeles Chargers is lack of size yep. and the interior defensive line. Say and, his name. And I think this is where big Christian Wilkins Love is coming off the board here. Uh, I think this was a this has been one of my complaints about the Los Angeles Chargers the last few years. You know, they're not real big at the linebacker position. Uh, and then they haven't had real great size in the interior defense line. Did you watch the um, AFC Divisional game against the New England Patriots? Yeah, you know what they couldn't stop in that game? The run. The run. I mean, every play was a hole that you and me could have ran through for five or six sure. yards. So when I look at it from that aspect, Christian Wilkins, which I can't believe he's on the board here still, yep. but I think it's a possibility with the different scenarios. And this is, I think, one of the weirdest drafts in, in, that I can remember here in modern history. But super talented. 315-pound uh, guy who moves around like he's 285 pounds. I'll say this. Uh, overall, extremely impressed with his athleticism. I was not as impressed with his ability to handle double teams as I thought I would be for a 315-pound guy. I think he does fit a 4-3 Seattle-type scheme. Gus Bradley's the D coordinator. He was in Seattle. That's what they do. And I think if you just said, win this gap, he'll win this gap for you all day long. All right, 29, we stay in the same division. Josh, it's your pick with the Chiefs. Yeah, you know, Chris and I talked about this on a podcast a few, I guess, weeks ago now. Like, the Chiefs have invested so much on offense that maybe their view of playing defense is just to score more points than you and have one or two players create a big play in the fourth quarter to allow you to win. Right. I'm really, really, really tempted, especially with all the stuff going around Tyreek Hill right now, mm. to go Marquise Brown, the mm. wide receiver out of Oklahoma. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to add to that defensive group because it's that much of a need and go with Notre Dame, corner, oh. Julian Love. Okay. Because I think he's someone who can play on the outside or the inside, depending yep. on where a coaching staff feels he's best. Mm-hmm. And that cornerback group has, is horrific here for the Chiefs. I mean, they have Charvarius Ward, yep. Rashad Brilliant, they brought in as a free agent, Tremont right. Smith. I mean, these are tall, long corners, but they don't they don't have NFL starting caliber play on their tape already. Right. And Julian Love, like we're seeing here, is someone that can close quickly. He can attack the catch point. And again, I think he can play in a variety of different coverages and succeed. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Julian Love fan too. For me, he was the third best corner in the draft. Boom. Um, but reminds me, and Paul, you've heard me say this, he reminds me of my ex-teammate, Rondé Barber. You know, not only good athletically, smart, willing tackler, understands what offenses are trying to do. And to what Josh said, he could be an awesome nickel cover guy. And he, you can trust him outside on an island, too. I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Julian Love. The, the only issue here is they don't have an edge rusher. You no. know? And Steve Spagnuolo is, is coming in as their defense coordinator, right. I believe. And every stop he's had, he's had a major rotation. Yeah. But they're at the board here because they're a good, a good football team at 29 where there probably isn't an edge rusher that they feel comfortable taking. All right. All right bringing us to 30, the Green Bay Packers. And, Thor, I think you had the pick for the Packers as well at 12. And you went offensive line with Jawan Taylor. So what are you doing at 30? Oh, man, we're, we're struggling here. You know, I, I talked about before how... <laughs> That's exactly what a fan base wants to hear. Well, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, we, we, we took care of the guard dash tackle issue before, but we, you know, we need front seven. Well, I don't know 
who you, who you would take here. Well, can I suggest a name here? Sack Daddy? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not going Edge Rusher because they just paid a whole bunch of Preston people. Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Yeah. So I'm. Right. Gonna, I mean, why not a wide receiver? Why not take advantage of this moment yeah. that you have with Aaron Rodgers right. and play someone that can play in the slot and outside? Please. AJ Brown. Can and we AJ give Brown him? Can we Miss? make I'm, Aaron Rodgers I, I, yeah. give him some I'm, help? I, I, I'm down with AJ Brown. Yeah. I mean, you know, if if Fant had been here, Fant would have been totally. the pick. But but Fant's off the board, and you get another guy that can play in the slot. And AJ Brown was an absolute slot killer at Ole Miss from the jump, right? From sure. for, for three years, he he left Ole Miss as the the all time leading receiver in school history. He can do a lot. Jumbo slot. He 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 was more athletic than um, than we thought. You know, coming out, um, and he's a Leonard Fournette sized runner when he's got the ball in his hands. And the other part of A.J. Brown is, you know, he is viewed as a slot receiver because that's where he mostly played with Demarcus Lodge and D.K. Metcalf on the outside. When Metcalf went down, he played about 100-something snaps on the outside as yeah. well yeah. and looked very good. If, if you eliminate landing spot here for this wide receiver class because it was all kind of jumbled up, I would choose uh, A.J. Brown as the player who I think will be the most productive his first year, and especially with Aaron Rodgers, it makes a lot of sense. He's ready to go. I like Paris Campbell better, but I, I like A.J. Brown yeah, we're a, a whole lot, sometimes, too. So. I, I, do, I do like him a lot. Chris, we're keeping you in Los Angeles at 28 with the Chargers. You win Christian Wilkins, now 31 Rams. Oh, so, okay, this is good. I mean, first of all, Drew Locke hasn't been drafted, okay? I'm not saying I'm drafting him here. I'm not that crazy, but I just yeah. go, this is crazy that we got to this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just pointing it out. It's unbelievable. Drew Locke's not gone. I don't think that's even possible because I, I know there's teams that have Drew Locke as the number one quarterback and the number two quarterback. So I just think that scenario is not going to happen. But either way, this is the way we saw it. and It has played out that way uh, nonetheless. Two positions here for the Rams that just come to my mind right off the bat. Interior offensive linemen, they need yep, that. For sure. Or Maybe a safety, right? Loss of LaMarcus Joyner. So this is where I think of, I go, do it, is this is Jonathan Abram territory from Mississippi State? I'm going to say no, and I think they're going to go center Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina State here. Love it. To me, that would be the way I would go here. I think the weakness overall of the Rams roster this past season was the center guard position who weren't named Roger Saffold. He was really good. And now he's gone. He's gone. So there's an issue there. And Bradbury can play guard or center either way, but I was very impressed with Bradbury. I mean, Billy Price last year from Ohio State, you brought him up earlier, he was the 21st pick from the Cincinnati Bengals. Bradbury's better. And I think Bradbury's at least every bit as good. I really do. And I'm impressed with Bradbury, the athlete. And you get to see it against Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins and a bunch of other players he played that are top-notch football players to where – I feel safe that this guy is a legit big-time center, uh, Mitch Morse-like from the Kansas City Chiefs, whatever it is. I, I really like it. And w- w- what a great scenario. If you need an interior op- you know, offensive lineman or a safety, basically everyone has fallen to you. Yeah, I mean, Lindstrom right. was still on the board, too. They yeah. could have had their pick of safeties. Right. They're sitting pretty with those needs totally yeah. back at the first round. Final pick of the first round, the Patriots. And I've got your list of top 50 players here, Josh. I've been crossing yeah. them all out. Thank you for doing circling. that. So give me a hint where you're going to go, and I'm going to base Based off of who's left, I'm going to see if I can guess it. I mean, the Patriots, if you think about it, they actually have a lot of needs. They, for, for the first time in a while, they really do. You go quarterback, wide receiver. Yeah. That's still an issue. I'm not going to go either. You know, um, what I'll, a, I'll go interior defensive line. Interior D-line. All right. Uh, I'm looking up in that. I don't see a lot highly rated. Are you thinking There's Big Ten? There? You thinking Big Ten? Yes, I am. 
Ohio State? Yes. Draymond, Draymond Jones. Draymond Jones. Okay. Draymond Jones, he might not have tested as athletic as you would hope for for someone that moves as fluidly and athletic, as athletically as he does. I mean, he kind of moves like a basketball player at times with how he gets skinny and is fluid and can just slip off blocks. Very yeah. crafty. Very, Very crafty. crafty. And, yes, you're right. His film is way faster than his way time faster. to the 40 and everything else. And we know that they lost Trey Flowers, who more than anything was an interior disruptor. Um, and I know that they signed Michael – or traded for Michael Bennett, who is an outside-to-inside player. But I look at this, and, and it's kind of a value selection because they need tight end after – Gronk's retirement. They certainly tried to go after slot wide receivers and Adam Humphreys and a few others and didn't nail those. So there's a lot of openings here, maybe safety to replace the aging McCourties. But Draymond Jones just makes a lot of sense from someone that can make a difference on that interior of the defensive line. Interesting pick still on the board after first round. The, the top running back, Josh Jacobs, yeah. is still there in our, our version of the mock. Marquise Brown from Oklahoma, yeah. oh, still on the board me, right? as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that those are the two names that really Drew stood Locke. out. In addition to Drew Locke. Drew right. Locke, yeah. Chris Lidstrom. I mean, yeah. Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Okay, right. Chris, can I pose this scenario right. to you? What if we're at 32? And I think New England would be a Drew Locke lover. I don't well, know that, but I think he's their cup of tea, but, but we'll but see. Let me ask you this. We're yeah. sitting at 32 here. Right. And we know that teams in the past have traded up to that final slot to get a quarterback. Yes. We saw it with Lamar Jackson. We Great saw point. it with Teddy Bridgewater. Right. Who could you see trade up to 32 to select a quarterback? Ooh, that, that is a great question. I mean, I guess the teams that – Could it be know, the Bengals? Could it be the Redskins that we haven't touched in this year's Beds, so far? Redskins, Bengals, or Dolphins, to yeah. me, would be the teams that first come to my mind to go, mm, they, might, they might fancy a way to get up here. What about the ones that are on, like, the periphery? You know, ones right. that we always talk about, okay, they need their quarterback the future and the charge. Chargers. We've heard that with the Saints before. The Packers now because Aaron Rodgers is 35 yeah, years old. Yeah, right. I mean, again, you know, I know people would drive to draw the parallels to go, well, they drafted Aaron Rodgers when Brett exactly. Favre was 35. But let's not forget, Brett Favre was dangling retirement mm-hmm. out there yeah. like three years before that. So that's why they did it. I don't think the Packers are going to do that yet. The Chargers would be one of those teams that I would say watch out for. And if the Giants for somehow didn't take a quarterback at mm-hmm. 6 or 17, I think this would be prime time for them to go, oh, okay, let's trade away our second round pick, get back back up there and add something else and get whoever it is. But I think those are the teams. I don't know. Am I missing anybody else out there to you guys? I think that's right. it. Mm-hmm. Those you know, the main ones. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I think that's it. Only 32 picks in the first round. Yep. There he is. got off easy. He only had to pick 10. We had to pick 11. <laughs> Let's he had do to the pick for the round. Jets and Giants <laughs> in the first round. Yeah. Thor Nystrom, our, our, our first time hanging out with you. Very well done. Appreciate yep. it. Appreciate it. Invited back anytime. Josh Norris, Chris Sims. We'll see you guys around the building. See you. Absolutely. Real soon. Let's take a, a look at the recap of the first round here. All 32 picks, one through eight. A lot of defense there in the top eight, as you would expect. Oh, yeah. I mean, that one makes a lot of sense. You're going to see a lot of defense, as we talked about. Defense, 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 early and often with interior and edge rushers. Can, well. can somebody in the back room count up how many offensive guys actually were drafted here in, the, in our <laughs> mock? Because I would think... I would think it's it's probably almost 22 to 10 or somewhere in that range, 20 to 12, uh, which very easily could happen. I mean, I think we could see runs of, of this with these defensive guys. And it's funny because, you know, we all do mock drafts, right? But as we got to our later picks, we still saw a lot of talent still on the board. Yeah. And this at least opened up a, an exercise that, you know, the, the 32 teams that – and are done in a different way here that, that we haven't seen before. I'm hearing 14 offensive players. 14 oh. offensive players yeah. and 13 either interior defensive linemen or edge players. Wow. There we go. Transcendent yeah. class right. at those two positions. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. For all the latest news and rumors leading up to the NFL draft and for analysis on every pick during the draft, you can check out rotorworld.com slash NFL news. Don't forget about Chris Sims unbutton. Don't. Oh, thank you for that, yes, man. Yes, See yes. my buddy old pal here. <laughs> Looking out for you're, you there. You're drinking the Kool-Aid, as they say. 
today? Drinking the cold coffee. The cold coffee. It was a long draft. <laughs> it a long was. draft. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you on Unbuttoned. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.